and welcome to Film Lovers. My name's Sonia Chung. I'll be talking to people who work in the film industry and who are also avid film lovers. Today I'm talking to my friend, many, many times he's been on, <laughs> Tom. Hi, Tom. Hi, Sonia. I'm happy <laughs> to be you? here again. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm very good. You? <laughs> it seems to be just us all the time. So okay. <laughs> uh, I'm good. How are you? Uh, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, it's oh, a very nice, nice relaxing thing. Sunday. Yeah, exactly. We were talking about that just now, weren't we? We just said we had our blankets ready on the sofa. Yep. Yeah. We both yeah. had a bit of cake today as well. Yeah. What kind of cake did you have? Well, I had to go for chocolate, I think. You know, oh, okay. Classic. What about you? <laughs> I had lemon drizzle. I thought you might. <laughs> It's my cheat day. I did yeah. cheat yesterday as well a little bit. I had an Oreo. Um, but, yeah, because usually I'm very good during the week and I swim a lot. So I need to cheat every now and then just to keep everything in at bay. Otherwise, I'll yeah. go over the top. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, yeah. So some lemon drizzle. But um, I do also like a bit of banana bread. Yeah, same here. Well, just anything sweet. Yeah, anything <laughs> naughty and sweet, which is really not yeah. good for us, but, you know. <laughs> it's anyway. the weekend anyway. Yeah, we've gone into food lovers again. <laughs> we've crossed <laughs> over back into, like, when we, were talk- did the, um, when we were talking about the Chinese New Year, when we were talking about food. Yeah. So we better get off that subject. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Tuesday was International Women's Day, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what are we going to do today, Tom? Take it away. Uh, we're going to look at films with female protagonists. Yeah. Sounds to like celebrate it. International Women's, Women's yeah. Day. It's a bit belated, but it's... Like... Yeah. And I'm obviously a perfect guest to do this as well. Who are you? <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah. Well, it's 2021. We can do exactly. this. Exactly. Get with the times. It's modern. Yeah. The modern man. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we do what we normally do, or we take it in turns? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, would you like to go first? Um, well, I feel bad because you're the guest, so I think you should go first, and then we, we'll do that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Take it away. What's your first choice for your first film with your first female protagonist character? Uh, well, I think I'm going to avoid your Aunt Maggie today because okay. we I've discussed well, it could her be more way than too one much. character, by the way. Yeah. So. Okay, so I'll just briefly say Aunt Maggie in uh, A Mood for Love is a great one. But, you know, we've discussed that one before. So today I'm going to go for a bit of a weird one. Um, So this is A Woman Under the Influence. Okay, tell me about that. I don't know that film. So basically uh, it's directed by John Cassavetes. Mm. um, And he was quite famous for really kind of pioneering sort of indie film. Mm-hmm. in america back in the sort of late 60s um early 70s and he worked a lot with his wife so his wife gina rowlands would often be the lead leading lady in his films uh this particular one she's playing this character and a lot of it is about kind of mental health issues and uh it's quite a dark film so she's this character who may or may not have bipolar uh she may be kind of manic depressive mm-hmm. uh so a lovely lovely film to start 
the show with. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then it's it's sort of um, exacerbated by her drinking a lot. So you kind of see the effects it has on her relationship with her husband, sure. and also as a mother, you know, with her kids. Um, it's an intense film, but I mean, it's just like such an amazing performance by Gina Rowlands in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really is one of the best, uh, you know, female performances ever, really. Yeah. Because she has to take it to some very kind of dark places. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's just very sim- simply filmed and it just really focused on performances. Mm. And I yeah, think so it's, that, it's, that, that they yeah. do that because there's not, there's no, um, you know, there's no sort of nonsense or action or anything going on in the background. Just, do you know what I mean? It's it's, yeah. it's purely about the performance, which it, you very rarely yeah. see these days, I think. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, most of the films he made would be, they would be shot for very little money and they'd be shot with his friends. Uh, so he'd have Peter Falk in a lot of his films, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who played Columbo. Yeah. Most famously. So, <laughs> yeah, he's in this as the husband. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just a really amazing performance and it's just purely character-focused. When did it come out? Do you... uh, 1974. Oh, God. So that must yeah. have been quite ahead of its time then. It was um, in some ways. I mean, they'd done a few films together before that, which touched on kind of uh, relationships and quite dark topics. But this mm. one was a bit different. And it's one of the earlier roles that really kind of looked into, you know, things like mental health. Well, I was going to say, that's that's what I mean. That yeah. I don't think they would have done that in that era would they it would have no, been particularly not in no not in dramas I mean they did sometimes occasionally in some horror films like the, you know you'd have psychological horrors that had that kind of aspect yeah yeah in terms of just intense dramas this was one you know quite an early example in American cinema mm. yeah well that sounds like a really good film I should have to give that a watch so that's your first choice <laughs> what is it that yeah. stands out in that film to you is it her performance or is it like I mean is there anything particular that stands out that makes you I think it's mostly thing? it's mostly her performance really because I mean uh Cassavetes would write films and but he would be quite open to sort of um you know people being inventive and you know uh, what's the word? Uh, uh, you know, making uh, improvising. That's improvising, yeah. Of, yeah. So yeah, so he'd be quite open to that. So there's quite a kind of natural feel to the film. And as as I say, he just sort of um, you know he'll film a lot on handheld or he'll film on still shots, and he'll just focus completely on the actors mm. and let them do their thing. Yeah. Yeah, Which and is- he always provided a great platform for his wife as well. So she's. She did, uh, you know, quite a few films with him and mm. they were all really, really strong. Yeah. No, I have to, I haven't, to be honest, I haven't watched any of his or their films. So it's something I should probably look into doing. Um, yeah, I'd say it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. You've got to be in the kind of right frame of mind, though. Yeah, it sounds like it must, it's probably quite a heavy yeah. type film. Yeah, it's definitely a heavy film. <laughs> but it's uh, 
it's just really engrossing and really kind of involving. So she's the general main lead, is she? Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's pretty much mostly focused on her. Mm. And uh, yeah, just how she how she interacts and how, you know, how she deals with her husband and vice versa. Yeah. 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 There's quite a yeah. lot of films that sort of are a bit like that, aren't they? I mean, not not the subject matter, but they focus more on the female point uh, perspective of the relationship. Whereas a lot of time, I yeah. think it might be a bit more about the male side of the do you know what I mean? And it would sort of favour the man more. Does that make sense? It, it does, yeah. I think think particularly in American cinema, it used to. So they would often mm. portray, if there was ever a problem, they'd portray it as the woman having the problem and not yeah. really kind of be balanced in it. Mm. I think it was more like European cinema that was a bit more balanced, first of all. So, you know, directors like Ingmar Bergman. Mm. Yeah, we spoke about films. this, didn't we? We said yeah. how... how um, you know, there was a there there was a period of time when the women in cinema were kind of portrayed as being not weak, but not as strong as the male protagonists. And you know, there's always like if some you know, there was always, you know, like, oh, help me, help me, I need help, or you know, I'm in trouble, help me, and the man has to go and save her, or you know it's yeah. the damsel in distress kind of thing and um well you know not in a nasty way but like the one that sort of kind of emotionally you know cries in the corner not like that but you know what I mean it's and and yeah. obviously throughout the years as as things changed and people changed and the times have changed and the way people generally think I mean we can't say all people because of course there's <laughs> going to be you know no, people who, not, yeah but but um it's it's nice to see the transition between actually women can be just I think to be honest women are much stronger than men not not physically but they can be but mentally I definitely think they're a lot more stronger aren't they than than men because because of their children yeah. they have to be yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just, you know, being more kind of um, in touch with your feelings and open to them rather than kind of suppressing them. Mm. It takes a lot of strength to sort of deal with those kind of things. Yeah, for sure. Okay. That's an interesting first choice. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything more you want to talk about that? Or we pretty much covered uh, it, not we? No, that'll, I think we can do, do your choice now if you want. Okay. Um, so I saw, and this might sort of sun you a little bit, but I saw this film for the very first time on Thursday and it's going to probably shock you and a lot of people because it's pretty old now. <laughs> um, <laughs> I saw film and Louise on Thursday for the very first time. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, yeah. Is that quite shocking to you? <laughs> it is a bit, yeah. So I mean, I know. It's okay. Sorry, sorry, I didn't interrupt you. Yeah, no, you got, you got there eventually, so. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, everyone knows that iconic ending, don't they? Where, yeah. you know, the I mean, I think it's safe to say now, isn't it? Spoiler alert, but everyone knows pretty much what the ending is. It's that amazing shot of the car and both of them going over the cliff into the Grand Canyon, isn't it? So, um, yeah. 
So I knew that was coming. And and um, I think because it kind of struck me as being a long film, because it is quite long, isn't it? It's way over two hours and a bit. It goes on for a while. But actually, when you watch it, um, you don't realise. Um, and um, it's like it's like the film you mentioned. I mean, it's very much focused on the two, and it's two female protagonists, isn't it? It's not just one. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing, and also a very young, good-looking Brad Pitt. <laughs> I, should, <laughs> I should point out. I mean, uh, that yeah. was the film that kind of made him, wasn't it? That was his debut, basically. Yeah. And um, I think that's yeah where he really sort of picked up attention after that film. Yeah, well, you can kind of see why, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, um, well, because he's playing the he's playing the kind of the bimbo, isn't he? He's the eye candy. Yeah, so it's a little bit of a reversal of what the normal thing would be. Yeah, where you're right. Be two male protagonists, and then you'd have the female who's the kind of object of affection. Whereas this in this film, it's Brad Pitt. Yeah, yeah, and he must have been like in his early twenties. So I reckon he was probably about twenty. Five-ish-y. I think, um, yeah, I think, yeah, late 20s. Yeah, I mean, I he's really skinny, isn't he? Out. Then, yeah. obviously, but um, not that he's fat now, but you know, he's you know, he's yeah. he's older and he's still a very, very handsome man. Um, but but yeah, I can see that. Um, and apparently, in that film, when people saw it for the first time in cinema, yeah, a lot of women took notice of. <laughs> <laughs> of him, especially in the um the scene where he's in a hotel room and he's shirtless, I think that attracted a lot of attention. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah, but he's not in it for much, you know, for very long, really. If you've got to think about it, it's probably in it. Maybe I reckon pretty much under ten minutes. If you, if you time, yeah, no, it's it. a very kind of fleeting performance, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Obviously, it stood out. Yeah. So that was one thing about the film. But actually it struck me as um I mean it's it's quite a sad film, isn't it? Can I can I sort of start it off by explaining what happens? Yeah. You can help me. So basically it starts off with um they go on is it like a weekend break or holiday a short holiday, isn't it? Yeah. And they're both friends and Gina Davis is basically married to this absolute arsehole and she's kind of expected to be well just pretty much a housewife which she really doesn't like and she's bored and this guy is really horrible to her isn't he he's just a bit of a prat really um just an obnoxious prat um so uh it starts off with um hang on which one's film and which one's louise i always get confused uh I can't remember to be honest. It's yeah, been so, so long since I've I seen know. That. So it starts <laughs> off with basically Susan Sarandon, who's a waitress yeah. in a restaurant, calling her friend up, Gina Davis. And um, I think Thelma is Gina Davis. I don't know. I what... think so. Yeah. Yeah, and Louise. She's yeah. sort of like the the main sort of protagonist, isn't she? What do you know? It's funny. Is it so? I'll start it off. So it basically starts off with a phone call between them. So you obviously realize, oh, actually, they know each other. It's not just two random women. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then you realize they're friends and they're planning to go on this, I think it's like a weekend trip or a short holiday, like a road trip type thing. And at the beginning of this road trip, they stop by at a bar and basically, um, 
the guy that Gina Davis sort of picks up, or well, he picks her up, even though you know she's married, etc. Um, he spikes her drink, doesn't he? I think. Yeah. And, and he comes across as this really nice guy, and basically takes her out, and he tries to rape her, and um, is a Susan Sarandon character comes out and you know sort of has a gun and says you know leave her alone but pretty much and um and he sort of turns around and says like you say says something <laughs> and uh, she pretty much shoots him so it's not a self-defense thing she just shoots him like on the spot um yeah. and then you li- later realize that actually because she doesn't want to drive through texas because you find out that she's been raped as well so it's kind of like bringing that back to her that memory back which kind of explains why she did what she did so it kind of then goes from you know absolute panic and what they're going to do they can't call the police because it wasn't really self-defense so they go on the run and the police get involved etc etc so they begin to sort of you know track these women down and find out who they are etc um, so it's kind of like a road trip where they're running away. And during the way, um, they meet uh, JD, who's Brad Pitt. And, um, and you know, he comes across as this really nice guy. He basically gets a lift with them um, hitchhiking. And he ends up staying at the same hotel and he goes to visit her. And pretty much, you know, they sleep together, him and Gina Davis. And she leaves him in the room the next day to have breakfast with Susan Zoran, and I can't remember what her name is. <laughs> if it's Louise or Thelma. Um, yeah. So, but you know what I mean. And, oh, she's Louise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think she's Louise, isn't she? And um, and you clock on actually, Louise goes, and you left him in the room by herself where all the money is from her savings, um, from her and her, her partner. And he steals it all, doesn't he? So he does a runner, and they've got absolutely no money. And they're on this, they carry on driving, you know, panicking what they're going to do because all their money's been stolen. And Gina Davis goes and robs this supermarket. So she gets a load of money. So then that's more like anguish because it's arms robbery. And, you know, she's really, she's really <laughs> polite about the way she robs this. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> Because he takes Brad Pitt's kind of performance when he does his way, because he's also a, like, like a burglar and armed robber. But do you know what struck me about that film is? It kind of struck me that even though they're friends, um, Susan Sarandon's character seems a lot more of a mother figure and Gina Davis as a kind of sort of looking up to her figure and she's very naive Gina Davis isn't she whereas yeah she seems to be kind of like a little bit sheltered isn't she yeah well which kind of explains you know also you know she's been at home all the time and you know that um I think Louise is a lot more kind of wary of people and you know like you know you don't talk have to talk to this person they can't do this can't do that and she comes across as being kind of uptight, as she says. Um, but there's a reason that, because then later on you find out that she got raped in Texas, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it kind of struck me like the Gina Davis character was 
a lot younger than her friends. I don't know. Are they meant to be roughly about the same age? Do you think? Um, I would have thought so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they come across as the same age, but at the same time, it's a weird kind of thing where you think, well, actually, if Gina Davis was completely by herself, she'd be completely screwed if that happened to her by herself, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, you know I mean, I mean? yeah, Susan Sarandon's character is a lot more kind of self-sufficient. Yes. And, you know, she's experienced a lot more. And she's definitely in that situation a lot more stronger than Gina Davis. And then as the film progresses, you begin to sort of see how Gina Davis sort of comes out of her shell and begins to, you know, get begins to learn about the world and herself more because she's been so sheltered. So, but yeah, that yeah. film struck me. I mean, that, that film was really ahead of its time, wasn't it, when it came out? Because you didn't see many films where it was like um, these two women that were like, you know, done for killing a guy and then they were on the run and then all this other stuff happened. So it was quite an unusual film, wasn't it? And it's by Ridley Scott as well, isn't it? Yeah, it's um, one of his most successful films. Mm. And you know, it's funny, it wouldn't have struck me as being one of his films for some reason. I don't know why. Um, yeah, but... I guess it's because he tends to do such big, he does like big epics or big sci-fis. Yeah. Um, so, this, yeah, it's a bit more of a contained movie, I guess. Yeah. But that's very much a film focused on the performances and their, their yeah. acting, especially... Uh, I mean, they're both really good in that film, but I think the one that stands out the most is Susan Sarandon. She's always got to be 100%, you know. Um, not that Gina Davis isn't, because she's equally yeah. as good. And, you know, the fact that they they have really good chemistry between each other as well, don't they? That's what works, I think. I th Yeah, I think that's what makes the film stand out as well, mm. yeah. Yeah. So... Yeah, it is. It is a really, um, but that's definitely a kind of girl power type film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. yeah, for sure. So, um, and then that's a film concentrated on two female protagonists. So, you don't really see that much of that kind of thing these days, either, do you? Where it's it's focusing on two female leads. Usually, it's like a male lead and a woman, or. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, usually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think it's quite an unusual mix. Yeah, even now it still is, isn't it, really? Yeah. Unusual. And everyone else evolves around them. Do you know what I mean? I mean, not evolve, but they're all kind of like little little characters that nip in, but the film is pretty much following them the whole time. So they're carrying the film, basically, from beginning to end. Yeah. Which is, which is a tough call, I think. Well, I think it is. I, I guess because they, there's two of them as well, they can balance that quite yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, the chemistry really does help. Yeah, for sure. But um, but I remember seeing my first kind of exposure to it was like in the early nineties. Um, my dad rented Wayne's World when it came out onto video. Or was it Wayne's yeah. World 2? I think it was Wayne's World 2. And you know Wayne's World and Wayne World, Wayne's World 2? They spoof a lot of films, don't they? So they yeah. did a bit of a spoof of that famous scene where they go up 
<laughs> the cliff. And I thought, well, I know the ending. There's no point in watching the film. <laughs> but I think it's just one of those films that's so iconic that actually everyone knows the ending. A bit like Psycho and the shower scene. Everyone knows that's going to come. And yeah, which kind of spoils it, really, um, because it's so much more about that film than just that amazing last end shot. If that makes sense. Well, it is. I think it's that whole journey to get there as well. That hmm. um, even if you go in knowing what's going to happen, you still get involved in it so much. Almost yeah. to the point, I guess, that while you're watching it, it kind of slips your mind until yeah. it comes to that moment. And you know what struck me about that is they they even seem to actually enjoy that bit, which is, <laughs> you know, you're going to die. <laughs> Do you know <laughs> what I mean? But they they yeah. kind of enjoy that thrill I think because they know there's no yeah. going back where well, there is but they don't have to I go guess back. they yeah I guess they know that the only other way to go back is to be kind of you know incarcerated yeah so they just want to sort of you know have that final moment of freedom and finish their holiday off with a bang I guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's and, like, and it's an epic place to finish it off isn't it because the scenery is absolutely stunning yeah, it is. Yeah, and so, I think obviously you know Ridley Scott always does really good-looking films. Mm, so sure. yeah, he really brings he brings that to life as well. That whole yeah, yeah, the whole backdrop. Yeah, and Brad Pitt's always said that actually he owes a lot to Ridley Scott because that was his first film. I mean, he did he was like he did little mini parts, didn't he? Like here and there, but he was like an unknown. Yeah. At the time, and he started off as a film extra as well. So, so you can see him, and he's been in TV shows, you know, as like the boyfriend and stuff. Um, but that was the film that kind of broke him into the big time, really, wasn't it? So he always says that you know he's eternally grateful to Ridley Scott for casting him in that film because that's pretty much what made him, really, you know, who he is today. So. So yeah, so so my choice was um, Thelma and Louise for sure. Um, I think we've talked about that enough. So let's go on to <laughs> one of your choices. So what's your choice? Uh, actually, I'll say a recent one because uh, mm. I watched this the other day. Uh, it's The Hunt. Okay. Uh, so this one is basically there was an old film called The uh, The Most Dangerous Game, where basically the idea was. Like uh, wealthy elites would hunt down, you know, poor people as a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the setup, and they've basically kind of re redone it. Uh, and then the female lead in this, uh, you don't really kind of learn a lot about her in it, but ev- a load of different people who have all kind of come from a different backgrounds and all kind of like working class or underclass are being hunted down. Hmm. so you kind of see this and there's a few cameos at the beginning of people just getting killed off uh as they're being hunted down by yeah. these kind of rich people uh it's quite a sort of satirical take on this kind of idea yeah so they're satirizing kind of like the far left and then the far right hmm. and they're kind of like really kind of satirizing both kind of both kind of sides of these people arguing kind of you know, well, the whole far right thing and the far left thing, they're always kind of like throwing arguments at each other, but they're not listening 
to yeah. anything in return. Yeah. And they're kind of all blinded by their own opinions. So mm. you've got the satirical side of that. And then at the same time, it's this kind of non-stop action film. Mm. Uh, but what happens is that the female lead, uh, she is basically an ex-soldier. Okay. And the people that put her in there don't actually realise this, so they completely underestimate her. Um, and she's this really kind of strong kind of action heroine, and she really knows what she's doing. Mm. And it's an interesting kind of thing where now nowadays they're doing a lot of kind of female-led action films. Yeah. But a lot of them, they seem to be almost token, so they just decide, well, we'll do this film We'll do like a female Taken or something. Yeah. Or we'll do like a female superhero film. Mm. And, you know, we'll make them just as, you know, strong as the men, just as kind of, uh, you know, invincible. Yeah. But they don't make it that realistic. No. Um, so you'll have like a, you know, a woman who weighs like, you know, 50 kilos fighting a guy that weighs 200 kilos. <laughs> she's, be <laughs> she's beating the crap out of him. Yeah. And then they they just think, you know, posing a lot, you know, will give it character depth, but it doesn't really kind of work Come too well. That way at all. And this just this just gives, you know, ammunition to guys that, you know, like misogynist guys who think, well, there's too many of these, you know, rubbishy female-led action films out there. Yeah. Because there's no, they're not kind of utilising what would make the, the female action hero a little bit different. Yeah. Um, or they're not making it, you know, with depth and character no so yeah this was a bit different in that that respect so i think it was um really kind of good take on an old idea but with a female action hero so what is her role in the film is she on one of the sides of the left side or the far right side or well, they think that so basically the the ones running the hunt are the kind of like the liberal left okay far left uh, they they think they're kind of righteous and they're doing this, you know, for good reasons. Uh, and everyone they've got there, they assume is like a right wing kind of troll mm. online that they've kind of um, picked out. Uh, so the lead is Betty Gilpin. Uh, she's been in a show called Glow. So okay. The show on Netflix about female wrestlers. So she got quite well known for that. Okay, I don't and, know. I've never uh, seen it. Yeah, that's quite a good show, um, okay. like a comedy show. Uh, but, yeah, so she's been basically mistaken for another online troll. Okay. Uh, so she's got the same name as this troll, and she's been mistaken for this other person, and they've brought her in by accident without realising that she's an ex-service um, woman who's been in Afghanistan. Uh, so she's, you know, got military training, and all the people on the hunt are just rich people. So they don't have any military training. They've just been given like a quick whirlwind bit of training from like an, uh, a National Guard kind of person, which is a bit like um, Territorial Army in the UK. Yeah. Where yeah. You, know, you go and do army training, but you don't really go off and do any combat anywhere. No. Uh, so, yeah. So she completely outclasses everyone um, until, you know, getting to the end where she has to face off against the person running the whole outfit mm. yeah it's it doesn't really do anything surprising as far as an action film no but i think the satirical side is very interesting gives it, yeah it's quite interesting 
it's not a great movie, but I mean, she's really good, uh, Betty Gilpin. Okay. Yeah. So is it quite a recent film or? It's only, yes, it came out uh, 2020, I think. Oh, okay. So yeah, yeah, it is very recent. And it's, yeah, I think it's on Netflix at the moment. Okay, I have to give it a guess. So The Hunt. Yeah, The Hunt. Okay. I'll I mean, it's that. quite fun, I think, because, you know, the, the whole kind of dangerous game thing has been remade so many times so, i mean van damme did it in hard target um there's been loads of kind of re repeats of that old idea of like people being hunted for sport yeah and uh hunger games and things like yeah that. hunger games as well yeah yeah so this just adds a little bit of satire to it yeah and yeah i think some critics didn't like it because they thought it wasn't firmly enough on one side mm. Uh, but I think the whole point was that they're kind of equally throwing darts at the far left and the far right because yeah. they're both kind of so blinded by their own opinion that yeah. they don't fact check and they don't, you know, respect any kind of proper argument. Yeah, but you know what's interesting is that, and I'm sure you have as well, is that I've met people like that and they really, do you know what's <laughs> funny is that they really can't yeah. see how stupid they are <laughs> and then you put one stupid person with another stupid person who are really blindsided by their opinions and yeah from an outside perspective when you're looking at both of them you think well you're, you're both as stupid as each other do you not understand where normal rational thinking comes into place and they 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 like you said they blindly believe that what they feel is the truth. So it's... Yeah, exactly, yeah. So you can kind of see that. I mean, it happens all the time, doesn't it? So, um, yeah, no, it's, that's an interesting perspective. So who is she? Um, what, what's she doing exactly? She's been hunted, but you don't know why. So initially you don't know why, but you find out a little bit later on that why these people are being hunted. Okay. Um. And for the most part, it's because they've had like certain opinions online. Um, and then you realize, you know, it's connected to the person who's running the whole operation. Ah, oh, that's interesting. So, yeah, I won't give too much away because there's, yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a few twists and turns along the way. But yeah, right. it's, it's a lot of fun. It's, uh, you know, it's a really, it's a good movie, I think. Yeah. It's just nice to have a, a role with like a female kind of action protagonist where it's kind of got realism to what she's doing. Mm. And, you know, she's not just, you know, being made to do poses and do exactly the same as what Arnold Schwarzenegger might do, because it doesn't really ring too true. No, no. And, uh, you know, those were two-dimensional roles for him anyway, so I don't know why they would want... So often they always want to kind of emulate that rather than, you know, having interesting characters, I think. Yeah. More believable. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I'll have to give that a watch. That sounds really good, Tom. <laughs> yeah, it's quite good. It's a little bit violent, so you might have to look away a couple of times. Oh, that's all right. I can handle but that. But it's, um, <laughs> it's kind of a little bit comical, I guess, as well. Okay. In the way they show it. Cool. Um, so, should I go on to one of mine? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, you made me just think of one, and I never would have thought about it but as you were talking about that film and uh, having a, a kind of kind of a strong female lead I thought about the film The River Wild did you ever see that film I did yeah that's a good 
that's a good shout. Yeah, well, because yeah, actually, you think, um, and you know what's funny is that I watched that film when I was probably about fourteen, and you're going to laugh at this, but I was a teenage girl, right? And I went to a girls' school, and while all the girls were fancying people, you know, like take that and stuff. Do you know who I fancied like crazy in my teens? It it was Kevin B. <laughs> Kevin Bacon <laughs> and that was the first film that started it because I was like yeah and you know what's really funny is that actually Pete I think about it now he I think he's kind of matured in and he's actually become very good looking but actually in that film he really isn't that good looking so I don't know what I first saw in him but um I did yeah. also fancy Keanu who I still do and he's obviously my husband <laughs> Well, obviously, yeah. And um, and a little bit of Brad Pitt, but I couldn't really see the Brad Pitt as much at that time. Um, I think that was more for the older teens and the older women. Um, but yeah, I was I, I was madly like obsessed with Kevin Bacon, and that was the film that starts it off for me because I saw that with my friends in the cinema. But actually, um, a lot of the films he's been in have all been really, really good films, haven't they? So. It wasn't a total waste, <laughs> that fascination. <laughs> but the thing, um, yeah. so we go back to the subject because we're going off because he's a man. Um, but actually, that film is centred around the strongest person being Meryl Streep. Yeah, and then for her, it was quite, because uh, it's quite an action. Well, it's a hard job, action, isn't it? Oh, yeah. I think they actually had to have training on the river because those rapids are yeah. really... And I'm not sure if they used stunt. They must have used stuntmen in in the very very difficult shots. You know, like the um, the plus nines and stuff that's super dangerous because there's yeah. like I can't remember how they explain it. I'm not <laughs> I'm not a rafter or whatever. But um, <laughs> it's so basically explain. It starts off with uh, you know she's she does a lot of um, canoeing and she's well known for being on the river rafting, which, which involves a lot of upper strength, doesn't it? I mean, an incredible amount of strength um, on the upper body. And she's used to going on these rapids. And blah, 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 blah. So they go on this holiday and she's kind of having this sort of very difficult relationship with her husband when her husband's always working and trying to spend as little time with the family as possible um and she thinks it's because of her so she takes her and her son on this trip and she drops her daughter off with her parents um and the husband basically joins them on this holiday and as they're on the river you know having this nice sort of you know rafting holiday blah 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 they come across these two men Kevin Bacon and John C. Wiley and it turns out that really they've I think they've robbed a place haven't they so they come across as yeah. really nice guys and she's you know she's the mother and her husband's sort of basically come out of nowhere and joined them and you know, there's a difficult relationship between the son and him as well, because the son's like, well, you don't really want to be here. You just want to be at work. And then you kind of later find out that actually he's trying to prove himself to her that actually because her standards are so high, he's trying to make her, um, um, I don't know, not happy with him. She, you know, 
he, he wants to make her proud, doesn't he? So he's under a lot of pressure because her expectations are so high. Um, and she comes across like that. She's a very t- kind of strong character, isn't she, in that she's the one that basically leads the entire film. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, she's quite, um, yeah, quite a strong, determined character. Mm. And uh, I think you get that kind of presence from Meryl Streep usually anyway, that she she's often playing characters who are very kind of intelligent and uh, resourceful. Yeah. But yeah. I think this was a bit of a different kind of side to her because there's quite a few action scenes in it. Yeah, um, I don't I think, think we've ever yeah, really... Quite based in reality as well. Yeah, we so haven't really seen real. a film of her in a um, where she's plays like a, um, I mean, she's played a mother many times, but yeah. that film kind of we haven't seen any other films where she plays that kind of. She's strong in other ways, don't get me wrong, but there in that film, she she must have had to be physically strong. Um, yeah, and I think when she made this, she was um, in her mid forties as well, so it's not yeah. like uh, you know being in your sort of twenties and thirties and doing this kind of film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a really, really impressive because there's a lot of really good, um, you know, the the set pieces on the water are really kind of exciting. In that yeah, film. and and the scenery stunning as well, isn't it? It's um, yeah. I can't remember who directed that film. It's the same guy that did. Is it Curtis Hanson that? Uh, it is. Yeah. And yeah. He, and he did the same. He he was the director for um, is it L.A. Confidential? Yeah, LA Confidential. Yeah, so he's kind of well known for those thrillers, isn't he? And so, um, but yeah, she she's definitely probably the main lead in that film, and everyone else kind of centers around her. So you know, she and her son basically they they're held captive by um, Kevin Bacon and this guy, and they think that the her husband's been killed by them but actually he kind of ends up saving the day but really it's pretty much focused about her and she's definitely a very strong female character by that film and she's like you said she's always played very strong female leads hasn't she so we can talk about that later yeah (laughs) for for (laughs) other you just made me think of another one um that we can talk about that later so yeah I thought about the river wild while you were talking about the hunt um, is there anything else you want to say about that film? When, when did you see that film, by the way? Oh, I saw this probably when it first came out on video. Yeah. A year it's still a really good film, you know. I mean, if it was on TV, yeah. I'd happily see it again. Cause... I think it is one of those films, isn't it? I, you don't particularly go out of your way to watch it, but then if you sort of pop past it on the TV channels, you're going to kind of get hooked in. Yeah. And and like I said, and you said, the scenery is absolutely stunning because they obviously, I think they filmed part of it in Canada and far, part of it in uh, the States. And obviously, they, and, and the rivers are just incredible and the mountains. So, um, you yeah. know, the cinematographer did a very good job on that film. <laughs> on that film. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. And again, yeah, he's a really good director as well. He was Curtis Hansen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good film. So, so yeah, so well done because you made me think of that film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, I think we pretty much talked about everything about that film. Really, she's just a very strong uh, sort of. Uh, I mean, I don't want to say it, but I guess typically she would have been the male character if it was at a yeah. different time. 
you wouldn't have seen a female lead like that in say the 60s would you that that um she would have been like you know the one that stays at home and makes the cookies and you know does all the things at home but um so that was a very unusual film I think to see a very strong female lead in as well yeah no I think that was um yeah very it was a really good film for that kind of mm. thing a little bit different and also good you know because there's this kind of idea maybe in Hollywood that you know once a female actress hits 40 it becomes really difficult to get you know leading roles and yeah. kind of interesting roles so yes you're right actually it's not been a big problem for Meryl Streep because no. she's Meryl Streep but, but actually yeah. even she said that when she, once she hit 40 all the scripts she was getting started to be about witches <laughs> <laughs> and, and she felt like you know Hollywood was trying to yeah. say but actually you know what um and as you know times have moved on um I think obviously they've basically begin began to open up their minds and think actually we can we can film you know older female characters and um and uh, um probably not so much in the cinema it's still these stupid films which is kind of a shame but things on like Netflix and things like that you definitely see a lot more now of this um, gender equality and it's really interesting and and like you said over 40s you'll see a lot more because women are a lot more interesting over their 40s as well I think yeah I mean there's definitely a lot of kind of types of roles that can be interesting and that they've had that a little bit more in the last few years I guess Mm, yeah and they've you know they've often had it in kind of European cinema as well where they tend to a lot of the times they would hire more like character actors rather yeah. than, you know, the atypical movie star kind of person. Sure. Uh, so, yeah, it's I think it's um, it's moving in the right direction anyway, in terms yeah. of, you know, mixing genres, you know, equally and then, you know, ethnicity as well. And yeah. More diversity. Sure. Of course. All right. Well, let's move on to one of yours. I think we've talked about that enough. So what's your yeah. choice? And why? Uh, well, as he brought that film up, I'm going to stick with Curtis Hansen. Okay. And I'm going to say The Hand That Rocks the Cradle. Oh, that's a brilliant film. Yeah. I completely it's, it's, forgot about that film. Oh, that, that's yeah. a really good film. Okay, why, why The Hand That Rocks the Cradle? That is an amazing film. Yeah. I think uh, I kind of like those old school kind of um, uh, psychological thrillers. I mean... There's just enough trashiness to them. Yeah. Uh, not too much, but just enough that it's. But she's of, really you know, nasty in that film. I mean, yeah. she's so good. She is so nasty and manipulative in that film. Yeah. Oh, it's just amazing. Anyway, let's carry on. No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's just those kind of felt like fatal attraction as well, which that was the one that kind of started this long run of all these, um, I guess, like women. funny, <laughs> yeah, funny boiler films. And I guess. That was a film I was going to talk about just now as well, yeah. as soon as you mentioned that film. So we can talk about that in a bit. Yeah. <laughs> Carry I on. I guess it's not, I guess the roles are a little bit, I don't know, maybe it's that kind of male idea that women are crazy or something. But I think, you know, these kind of, it got to a point where a lot of women were being typecast as these kind of roles. Yeah. And I, I guess it wasn't, it was a little bit counterproductive in the end. But I think, at the same time, there were so these are kind of the roles that actors love to play. 
So, you know, it must be fun to play a bit of a psycho. Of course it is. And, uh, you know, you know, historically they didn't, you know, unless you, like you said before, unless you were playing like a witch or something or like whatever, uh, it would often be, you know, guys playing the bad guys all the time and having all the fun. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. the heroes and the villains. So they're getting the kind of the fun parts, whereas the women are just getting the, the damsel in distress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and you know what's yeah, funny? That whole, that, sorry. Yeah. I know you can carry on. Oh, no, no, no. Because no. as soon as you said that, um, it kind of makes sense. Because if if the success of Fatal Attraction, because that was a blockbuster, then you can kind of tell that Hollywood would want to follow that trend because... It's a bit like now, isn't it? You know, like yeah. the superhero movies, they know they're safe with that because it will keep bringing in the audiences. So if Fatal Attraction did really well, then they're kind of going to carry on, not that theme, but, you know, the theme of having the the <laughs> the, the crazy woman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because they know the success of that would would be, and that was probably, well, no, that was a much later film, but they know that did really well enough to probably bring in the audiences. If it that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you had yeah. all these kind of um you had all these kind of bunny boiler films and then all these kind of femme fatales as well. So Yeah, yeah. yeah you that just made me think of so many things. just yeah. now. So <laughs> but we'll bring those we'll bring those yeah. up. But what was it about that film that, that you liked the most about her? Rebecca is it Rebecca Demorne? Yeah, Rebecca Demorne. Yeah, she's I think really it's good. Because, yeah, she's really good in that film. Um I just think it's the you know, she's playing a bit of a, you know, a psycho, but then there's, you know, there's a lot of depth to her role as well, where you feel a bit of sympathy for her because of what happens at the beginning. Yeah. Tell so, us what happened, because it's been a while since yeah. So basically her husband is a gynecologist mm. and he gets inappropriate with um, this uh, female character played by Annabella Sciorra. Okay. Uh, yeah. Who's you know she's pregnant um and he basically he he touches her inappropriately and she reports him he gets basically cut off and his whole reputation is ruined so he mm. kills himself okay and the whole stress of that his wife rebecca de mornay who is also pregnant loses her baby. uh yeah she loses her baby so she basically puts all the blame onto this this other woman yeah, and she sets about targeting her to destroy her life. Mm. So first of all, she goes over and poses as a nanny. Yes, uh, because you know uh, Annabella Skiora's basically she's had her baby, everything's fine, uh, but you know she's quite busy. Her husband's busy, so they need a nanny. Yeah, and uh, yeah, Rebecca De Mornay kind of uses this opportunity to get herself in with the family. And then she just starts um, setting all these things into place. Yeah. Psychological little things and, you know, making uh, making the mother kind of really doubt herself and, you know, start to go a bit crazy. And, and also the got, kid to try and make yeah. the kids, because she's got a little girl and a baby at that time, hasn't she? She has, yeah. So she turns the girl against the mother. Yes, which is uh, really she, clever. Yeah. She nurses the baby, so then the baby. Oh, I know that bit is really disturbing. Yeah, because <laughs> you see the gardener; he's looking in the window, and she's nursing yeah. the baby. And it's like, and then the gardener is this kind of guy. He's like he's mentally handicapped. So yeah, but he's he a nice guy. Start, yeah, he's a nice guy. But then she sort of sets it up to look, make him look like he's 
been inappropriate with the eldest daughter yeah so you know that gets them out of the way so she's really kind of cunning and conniving but so the more the film goes on the less kind of sympathy you have yeah but you know what there's that bit do you remember that bit where um the little girl so because there's a little girl as well isn't there and the baby so it's the, the sister she's been bullied at school do you remember that bit and yeah. she tells her, um, Rebecca Zamora, and she <laughs> she goes to the school and she literally friends this kid and like, you know, this, this little kid. She's like, if you ever do this again, I'm going to kill you, basically. Yeah. He's like, so a problem solved like this to the little girl and kind of <laughs> walks up. Yeah. And actually, do you know what's funny is I actually quite liked her for that bit, even though that's not the right way to go about it. It's but the kind of, of movie way, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, but actually, she's kind of like you said, she's sympathetic to the child side. I think because she lost her baby, yeah. and she. I mean, kind she's of, still got this nurturing side, but it's just yeah. she's got this obsessive kind of side, which is really kind of cunning. And you know, once she starts getting to this point where she's killing people. Uh, <laughs> It gets more and more absurd, doesn't it? Yeah, it's it's absurd, but it's a lot of fun. It is really good. They don't make films like that so much anymore. I think because Um, politically, it's not very correct. Maybe I don't know. It's a shame because they are really good fun. Those films, and they must be really good fun to play. But yeah, no, for sure, you're completely right. She's very, she's really nasty. She's very like manipulative, but at the same time, like Fatal Attraction you have big empathy for her, don't you? Kind of like at the beginning anyway, at least. And then you know that actually... Yeah, you as sort of get... understand what made her flip and yeah. Yeah, well, you, you kind of take their side and then to a certain point in the film where you think, well, actually, you've kind of, now you've crossed the border and you've you, you've gone into no-no territory and, <laughs> <laughs> and actually I don't like you yeah. anymore. <laughs> so, so, yeah, no, that's a really good choice. Well done for that. <laughs> No, I think that's that's thanks to you, just from uh, reminding me of Curtis Hanson. Oh, yeah, no, I completely forgot yeah. about that film. I've got to give that a watch. It's been ages. All right, so is there anything else you want to say about that film? Uh, no, I, we can go to one of yours as well if you want now. Um, well, there is one, but you need to help me because it's been like bloody years since I've seen this film. So I know you saw it very recently, so you're going to have to help me out. So... Um, I was thinking female strong leads, and I remember Jamie Lee Curtis in Blue Steel. Yeah, that's so, a very good one. Yeah. So I should say it's not Ben Stiller, because <laughs> <laughs> Blue Steel is well known for that film Zoolander, and that's his pose. Yeah. But it was actually a film by Catherine Bigelow in the nineties, where yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis is the main lead, and um, she. She's training to be a policewoman, isn't she? Or she is a policewoman. Yeah. So she's just she's basically fresh out of training. Okay. So she's a rookie, yeah. And uh, she attends this um, store shooting, mm. and uh, she shoots down a suspect. Yeah. So in the whole kind of like melee and what's happening, all the kind of chaos, uh, one of the shopping patrons there picks up the gun and takes it with him Mm. and he becomes completely obsessed with this gun he's a little bit kind of like you know he's uh he's got psychological problems 
to yes. put it mildly. So <laughs> he just becomes obsessed with this gun and then the idea of using it. And he start, uh, and basically Jamie Lee Curtis is in trouble because you know, they, they found no murder weapon. Okay. So she's just shot someone down, a suspect down, because he's, the murder weapon's gone. Uh, his weapon's gone. Mm. Uh, you know, she's essentially shot down an unarmed man. Okay. So she's got to deal with that. And then eventually it does become apparent that the guns, there was a gun and it's gone missing and it's being used now. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, she has, she has to kind of track down basically this gun. And at the same time, this guy who took the gun becomes obsessed with her. Yes. He's so good with. in that film. Yeah, oh. Ron, Ron Silver, his name is. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good. Yeah. He's he's terrifying in and that it, film. He plays the villain so often, or he, he did play because he, he yeah, passed yeah. away five or six years ago, but he used to play villains all the time and he was really good. He's so, see, he basically yeah. becomes obsessed with her, doesn't he? And and yeah. she likes him, not re realising who he really yeah. is. so they date to start with and yeah. he's quite wealthy and sort of takes, sweeps her off her feet a little bit. And he comes across becomes, the nicest yeah. guy, like she she introduces him to her parents and even the parents love him and her friends love him. Yeah. Yeah. And initially, he's got this weird idea in his head that he wants her basically to shoot him. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's just a, it's a, it's like a bit like the Hand Rocks the Cradle. It's one of those kind of thrillers that they used to make a lot of. Yeah. And they just don't make them so much anymore. Why does he want to kill her? I can't remember. There's a point where he. So wants I think he, he wants her to kill him. So he. For some odd reason, he wants to kind of like die, but he wants her to do it. So he's kind of chosen her to be the person who's going to kill him. So he's kind of pushing her to kind of do it. Yeah. Uh, and then there comes to a point where I think he changes his mind and then he's going to threaten her. Yeah. And he, he shoots this uh, one of her superiors that she ends up getting involved with after she's been involved with him. Okay. Uh, so he shoots him. And it just gets to the point where she, eventually she has to find him, hunt him down, and she's going to have to shoot him. Yeah, but he, I think there's one point where he wants to kill her as well, isn't there? I'm sure there is. Because I remember when I was a teenager watching that film, like, you think he's dead, and then he yeah. comes back again. And yeah. then he's dead. And I know, no, he's not dead. He comes back again. <laughs> and I remember watching it, and the girl next to me was like, oh, come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one of those films. It's really silly, but it's yeah, um, good fun. But Jamie Lee Curtis is really good. Yeah, in the film, and actually, kind of made me think. She's pretty much kind of like if you think about it, Halloween's the same kind of premise, isn't it? It's this relentless guy chasing her. Yeah, uh, and uh, you you know you finally think, oh well, she's killed him, and he still keeps coming back. He's got uh, like a <laughs> a hanger in his eye. So that's another one that she's played. That's a very much a female heroine, which you wouldn't have really seen in the seventies, I think. And she was really young at that time, wasn't she? She was nine, nineteen, I think, when she made that. I think, yeah, when she did Halloween, yeah, she was nineteen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which so I guess um, was actually the perfect age, whereas normally those kind of films, they'd be they'd be playing high schoolers, but it'd be cast they'd cast sort of twenty eight, thirty year olds. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they actually cast the right age on that occasion. Yeah. 
yeah, but she was really good at Blue Steel. And she's, um, and also, you know, you've got Catherine Bigelow directing that. So it kind of definitely comes across as this very strong lead. You know, it's a very, uh, not, yeah. I hate to say it, but very manly lead, which which actually yeah. Catherine Bigelow, we've spoken about this, is well known for doing those kind of films. Yeah, I mean, she was really good at doing kind of, they're really kind of masculine films. Yeah. They've got this different kind of gaze on top of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um. Yeah, that was probably was that her first film or was it Point Break? Uh, no, she Catherine Bigelow had done a couple of films in the eighties. So she did a film called Near Dark. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That with Bill Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. The vampire. And she co-direct, yeah, she co-directed one uh, called The Loveless in okay. the early eighties, which was with Willem Dafoe. Okay. Uh, that's kind of like a biker gang kind of film. But yeah. yeah, Near Dark was our first kind of solo film. Yeah, I remember watching that. That's pretty yeah. violent. <laughs> <laughs> Bill Paxton as the vampire. But yeah, no, so Blue Steel is one of my um, choices. But um, I think we've pretty much spoken about that, <laughs> haven't we? So let's yeah. go to one of your choices. Okay, I've got to get in um, Helen Mirren. Okay. Uh, your don't other tell love, your Aunt Maggie. Yeah, my yeah, other yeah. love. Don't, don't tell Aunt Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> By the don't way, I should tell her she really isn't my auntie. <laughs> Tom's referring to Maggie Chung. It's only because we have the same surname. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't actually know her, and she isn't my auntie. We just yeah. have the same surname. Maybe ancest. What do you call it? Ancestry. Ancestry. Yeah, you can Ancestry. check it. You never know. Yeah, you never know. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, put in a good word for me. <laughs> I will. <laughs> anyway, carry on. So what about Helen Mirren then? What's your Yeah, problem? so I'm going to choose, this is a quite a strange one. It's like an art house um, erotic thriller called The Cook, The Thief, okay. oh, I don't know His Wife and Her Lover. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's directed by a guy called Peter Greenaway. He used to be a photographer and he turned into becoming like a famous art house director okay his films are always very kind of like photographic in the way they they look um and the way he lights them and they're always a little there's a lot of odd kind of things in them and then there's lots of uh kind of i guess uncomfortable things to see that he likes yeah. to put in there so the cook the thief his wife and her lover uh which i'm just going to call the cook from now on okay <laughs> <laughs> so you've got Helen Mirren and uh, she's married to Michael Gambon mm-hmm. and Michael Gambon runs this restaurant and he's completely like he's rich and wealthy and obnoxious and he just owns this restaurant for the hut just purely for the kind of um, like it's uh, like you know like Roman Abramovich might buy a football club it's like a toy yeah, it's just something to give him, you know, street cred and look good with his rich friends. So he gets the best chef, and he's becoming this food snob, and he's really obnoxious. So Michael Gambon in this is really good. He's playing like the most obnoxious person ever, but you can you can see he's having so much fun mm. doing it. Uh, Helen Mirren is his wife, and she's kind of like a little bit introverted and put upon. And a little bit, you know, fed up with his behaviour because he's, you know, he'll become violent and yeah. obnoxious towards her as well. Mm-hmm. 
So during one of their visits to the restaurant, she notices this guy in the far corner and he just sits and reads a book while he eats at this restaurant. And she finds that a little bit fascinating. So they start having this kind of affair. And most of the film takes place within the restaurant. So when they're having this affair, it might be that they're in the toilet, you know, having it, you know, doing the business. Mm. Uh, while Gambon is still in the main restaurant, kind yeah. of blissfully unaware. Uh, and then the chef becomes involved because he doesn't like Michael Gambon. So he helps them kind of, you know, he'll give them a stock room that they can have it off in. Uh, so Helen Mirren, obviously, you probably know that she was quite well known throughout the sort of 70s and 80s and yeah. 90s. She wasn't afraid to get her, you know, it off. off, so to speak. So she does spend a lot of time in this film naked. Okay. Uh, as does the main, the male actor in it as well. So, but I'm guessing you won't focus on, as much on him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, not particularly, no. no. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, the film is like it's really amazing looking film. Yeah. Uh, so there's a uh, there's three sections in the film. You have got the bathroom section, you got this uh, the restaurant section, and then you got the kitchen. And everything's like color coded. So in the bathroom, everything's white. Uh, in this kind of restaurant scene and like lobby, everything's red. And then in the kitchen, everything's green. Okay. A few other settings that are slightly different as well, but Every time a character moves into a new setting, their clothing changes colour as well. Yeah. So it's very kind of artistic and uh, these represent different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, eventually Michael Gambon finds out about this. So he wants to kind of get to this guy and do horrible things. But it's just like a really... There's a lot of things in it that are difficult to watch. and. a lot of kind of slightly grotesque moments. Yeah. And then there's a lot of sex in it as well. So it's quite an extreme film. Mm. Uh, not explicit, but, you know, like art housey. So There were quite a lot of those films, film. though, in the yeah. 70s, weren't there? Those kind of very yeah. like, sort of sexually... Like, there was that famous one that caused big controversy. What was that one with Marlon Brando? Is it Last oh, Tango uh, in Paris? Oh, Last Tango in Paris, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this was this was late eighties. Um, oh, okay. But yeah, it's in that vein. Yeah. All right. Uh, but it's just like there's a really good soundtrack to it. It looks amazing, and then there's really great performances as well. And Helen Mirren is amazing in it. Yeah. Well, uh, she's an amazing actress, isn't she? So. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's very well acted, and there's a few like Tim Roths in it, uh, in a very early role. Um, very good. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a really good film. Yeah. It's, this is one I'm going to say right now because I made this mistake before with you. <laughs> Don't watch it with your sisters. Whatever okay. You <laughs> this is just for anyone. This is referring to a yeah. film Tom recommended I should watch and I ended up watching my sister without realising The Handmaiden, which is not the yeah. best film to watch with your siblings or your family members. <laughs> <laughs> No. So, so yeah. So okay. this one, yeah. I'll bear that. I definitely mind. recommend watching it, but yeah, on your own maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. I'll give that. 
a go, but when I'm not with any of my family members. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you if you check out the trailer, you'll see what I mean by how the visuals and things like that. Yeah. So it's a really amazing looking film. Um, you just made me, see, this is really good because like while we're talking, I mean, I had some ideas and I'll, I'll remember to bring them up later. But then as we're talking, I think, oh, that kind of reminds me of this film and then that reminds me of that film. So you're talking about the, the amazing colours and the female protagonist being Helen Mirren. And I just thought about the film Les Trois Couleurs, so the one with Juliette Binoche, Blue. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, blue. I think I've seen I've seen blue and red. I don't think I've seen white though. The white one is with uh, 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 Julie Julian, Delpy. Julie Delpy. Yeah, and he's yeah. a Polish. Is it? It's a trilogy, isn't it? It's Le, Le yeah. Couleur. Also, the three colors. So there's a. Um, I would call it French. Il y a un bleu, un blanche et rouge. Um, so Juliette Binoche is in the blue one. And Julie Depley's in the the white one, isn't she? And who's in yeah. the red one? I can't remember. Uh, I think the red one was about an actress, if I remember. Or um, I can't remember. Anyway, to be honest, uh, I never really saw them the whole way through. I mean, yeah. I I remember I never saw the blue one, um, but I've heard bits of it, and I've heard. The, the premise it basically follows and it follows these women doesn't it so in each one of them so the the main yeah. one in the in the blue or blue is uh uh c'est Julie Binoche so it's Julie Binoche so I'm saying French um because <laughs> I'm talking <laughs> French as well and yeah. uh, so basically she finds out and it's absolutely just like gut-wrenching heartbreaking she finds out that her family her so her children and her husband have been killed in this horrendous car accident and she's lost everything so the whole film is basically following her grief um yeah and but but because it's obviously blue which is the way she's feeling but it also brings out the blues in that film are just absolutely stunning to see. Um, um, and that's why I, that made me think of that film as soon as you told me about the one of Helen Mirren. Um, I don't know much about that film. I just, uh, oh, it was called Trois Couleurs. Yeah, so there's yeah. And it was by a Polish director. I'm looking it up. Oh, I'll, I'll let you. I looked up his name, but I'll let you pronounce it. Oh, I don't know, and I'm dyslexic. <laughs> I can't pronounce. Well, I think it. it's. Um, I think it's Christoph uh, Kalowski. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so I don't know. Anyway, anyway. So, um, so yeah. So that's the um the first one, but um that's the one that I think everyone remembers the most, doesn't it? That was the one that sort of. Yeah, I mean, she's the biggest kind of name, isn't she? Yeah, and she's amazing in that film. I mean, you you yeah. really see the descent of her character in that film. You know, she's lost absolutely everything in like one second, pretty much. Um, and uh, and like I said, the blues are amazing. I don't know much about it, but I just know it's very much focused on her grief and the characters journey from the beginning to the end so um i don't know is there anything you want to say about that film because i don't know much about it i just know very briefly because you were talking about covers uh, yeah no i mean I've, I've seen it in a while so 
she kind of starts up this um, relationship by this with this guy, an old friend of hers that she meets up with, um, and he's always kind of had a thing for her. Yeah. So it's about him kind of drawing her away from kind of that grief because she's kind of getting really consumed by it. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a really good film, and I think uh, Three Colors Red was also really. I think that was probably my favorite one. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Irene Jacob was in that one. Okay. Yeah, so she's not quite as well known. No. At least over here. No. As, uh, Juliette Binoche. Yeah, I reckon she was the one that was the most famous one. In the, I mean, uh, Julie Depley is very um, well known as well, but I think at yeah. the time she wasn't so well known, if you know what I mean. Um, I mean, don't quote me wrong about that, but it's always been Juliette Binoche has been kind of like up there. She's a really good actress, so Juliette Binoche. Yeah, any time I've seen her in anything, she's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. was really good in The English Patient. My my stepdad absolutely hates that film, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a lot of men do. Yeah. It's just a really long film, but she is really good in that film as well. So, so yeah, so um, that's my choice. So I'm going to cheat and I'll say I'll say the whole trilogy because that follows basically different female protagonists throughout the sequels, but but mainly focusing on on the, the blue one, which was Juliette Binoche. So yeah, um, but yeah, that you just made me think of that film because the the colours he really brings out the colours in those films. So you know the amount of blues you see are just amazing and. I'm not sure about the white one, but I'm assuming that he brings that out as well. And the reds, he must have as well, which actually must have been really hard and taken a lot of time to get that effect going, if you know what I mean, because you've got to change the lights yeah. and the filters. and da, 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 da. So it's, it must have been a very difficult uh, thing to do. All right, so let's go on to one of yours. Okay, um, I'm going to do... Dancer in the Dark. Okay. Uh, so this is with uh, Bjork. Okay. <laughs> Another <laughs> one you fancy. You're just doing ones with women you fancy, don't you? Uh, yeah, basically. So. <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> no, I love Bjork. Tom loves so. Bjork as well. Well, I mean, you do as well, don't you? So. No, I do, but not. I don't fancy her. But I oh. like her. I like her music and her eccentricity. Yeah. Well, that's what I mostly like. Yeah. I think yeah. she's uh, <laughs> pretty talented. So, but obviously, see, uh, she did a film back in Iceland when she was younger. Yeah. Uh, called the Juniper Tree, which is like a sort of strange art house film. Okay. Uh, and then she kind of moved away from acting, didn't do anything, and then she came back and did Dancer in the Dark. Okay. With uh, Lars von Trier. Oh, is that the one where she was well known at the Oscars? I never saw it, but I well remember a shot of her at the Oscars wearing this yeah. weird swan outfit. I think it was either at the Oscars or Cannes, but I think it was around about that time. Yeah, but do you remember that costume? Um, like, yeah, <laughs> you weirdo! What are you doing? Like everyone's wearing these really nice dresses. Why are you wearing that horrendous garbage? Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I think uh, last one Trier is quite well known for doing quite dark films yeah he does art house films um very controversial isn't he yeah very controversial as well so yeah. i mean he's done a lot of films which are, were quite explicit and this one he wasn't did... so much so oh was it because he did no, the this... ad 
Antichrist and he did Nymphomaniac and Nymphomaniac, dog. He likes shocking films. Yeah. Yeah, they're not easy. The house that Jack built, that was another one. Yeah. So yeah. This one is more kind of tamer. It's not more it's not extreme or explicit in other ways, but it's quite it's it's a miserable film. Oh, okay. It's really well done, but it's uh it's like the most dark, miserable musical you can think of. Okay. So Bjork in the film is playing this factory worker, she's an immigrant. Um and uh she's got this uh vision problem in her eyes which is getting progressively worse Hmm. which is affecting her job um and she's got a son who's slowly starting to lose his vision as well so she's trying to save up money for an operation for him in america i think it's america uh so basically she's working so hard trying to save up all this money for this so her son's got a chance not to be kind of hampered with Blindness. eventually going blind yeah uh and again like i say you know her vision she's trying to hide it from people but it's starting to affect her work yeah uh but every now and again she kind of she'll she'll be in a factory and then things will be going you know up and down you know these machines will be going and then there's a rhythm to it and all of a sudden the rhythm kind of gets into her and she kind of disappears into fantasy as well Hmm. So, and that kind of starts musical numbers and things like that, which kind of break from reality. Okay. But it's a really weird, dark film with strange songs. And if you want strange songs, then, you know, you're going to get Bjork to do them. I was going to say, did she, did she, she must have done the soundtrack for that then. I guess that's the added bonus of hiring her for a film. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, this was the first kind of uh, mainstream kind of, film that she did okay uh or the most mainstream film she did uh and in the english language okay and then up until next later this year when she's gonna come back uh this was her last film okay basically because it was such a difficult experience and she really didn't get on with uh lars Mm. and uh he didn't like her she didn't like him and then she found the, the experience so sort harrowing. of and harrowing uh combined with the actual film being depressing and harrowing <laughs> that she basically Not a good combination about, yeah she just didn't want to act again after that no um but i mean she's amazing in it it's such a because she's it's such a dark film and she's always getting her characters basically getting pushed down at every turn oh really constantly <laughs> happening so uh it just keeps hammering at her and she still keeps remaining positive throughout yeah and obviously Bjork comes across as quite you know sweet a lot of the time when she's not dressing as a swan or hitting reporters <laughs> well, that, I remember that was it the yeah. 90s that that film came out it was 2000 so right at the end of the century so when was uh, it that famous bit where she absolutely lost it and she was in Thailand and all these reporters and that poor reporter, the female one, is like, welcome yeah. to Bangkok. And then she just went for her and started ripping her hair out and having this think, back. Well, I think uh, she'd never been really well known for that kind of thing, those reactions either. So I think it's something to do with... Her son was there. Kept, yeah, her son was there. So I yeah. think it's quite... 
it was yeah. an unusual reaction. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this film, basically, I think she got an Oscar nomination for it as well. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think she did. Yeah. But it's a really, it's a really amazing film and it's really kind of dark and harrowing and you just really feel for her throughout. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, you just got, it makes you sort of wonder what might have been if uh, she hadn't been put completely off acting after no. that. Yeah. Yeah, so she surprised yeah. you, did she? She did, yeah. I mean, the film, it's not easy to watch like any Lars no. von Trier film. But because you're, you're always waiting for that Hollywood moment where things will turn around for her. Mm. But, you know, inevitably, because it's Lars von Trier, it just doesn't. Uh, and then the ending is quite striking because it's so dark. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, she's... Uh, She's really amazing, and it's a really kind of unique kind of role. Yeah, I've got to watch that. But when I'm in the right frame of mood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, much like... Um, yeah, not on a Sunday afternoon. afternoon. It's definitely not a Sunday afternoon film. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's your choice. Um, should we move on to one of mine? Yeah. Um, I think we, we've been kind of talking a lot about very sort of depressing or sort of uh, hard <laughs> films. So I thought I'd lighten it up. A bit of comedy, and I thought I'd suggest Miss Congeniality. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, that's definitely going to lighten the mood. Yeah, I love that film. Do you like yeah. Miss Congeniality? My sister loves it as well. You know what? I didn't think I would enjoy it, uh, but I did. But it is think... really good fun. She's really funny in it. Yeah, because Sandra Bullock's so likeable and those yeah. kind of films she just does so well. I think that, whereas, you know, it might, they don't always work, those kind of films, but I think when it's Sandra Bullock, she kind of, you know, elevates that kind of thing. And also because generally she's very glamorous anyway, isn't she? And that was like the yeah. early 2000s. So, but um, it's, just, it's just really funny. Like, you know, she's just kind of, She's really unfeminine. She's kind of like the Jamie Lee Curtis character, but in a comedy situation where she's playing a very yeah. male, you know, she's in a very male-dominated uh, industry. So she's a, uh, an FBI agent or policewoman or something. Um, you know, so a lot of them are all, you know, men. So And she has to be physically fit. So that's kind of like a parallel to Jamie Lee Curtis in Blue Steel. Um, and she's really unfeminine, like, you know, her, her, she never wears skirts or dresses, her hair is all over the place, and she's very kind of like, you know, masculine. She doesn't like being, you know, sort of not picked on, but she's, you know, she's very able to stand up for herself. So she gets called upon this, um, what is it, like, mission to... <laughs> yeah. To sort of infiltrate this, is it a beauty pageant? Or it's something a beauty like that? pageant, and she hates those things because they're well known for being very tacky. And and because uh, I think the original person goes down or, or gets pregnant or something, and um, they're trying to find someone, don't they? They look for the computer, and there's that funny scene where they start putting dresses and bikinis on, and they're like all the male officers and things, and then they come across her file. And uh, they decide that she's the best one for the job. So they put her up <laughs> and she's really much against yeah. it. Um, and Michael Caine plays this very much 
I mean, I'd hate to say it. I don't think you'd see it as much these days. He's kind of a very gay camp. Um, what is he? Like a trainer? Like, you know, he's... Yeah, I guess he's a, like a trainer. Yeah, he's well known for training up, you know, beauty pageants and how they should walk. Oh, is that Lulu? Yes, that's Lulu joining in the world. Oh, hi, Lulu. That's his daughter. Did she say <laughs> hi? She did, yeah. That's very good homework. I'm very talking good. to you, Lily. Say hello. Where are you going to say hello? Hello. I love okay. you. <laughs> off I go. What did she say? She said, off I go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. She's <laughs> like, okay, I love you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> She'll probably be back again. Anyway, so as we were saying, that was his daughter. If anyone who doesn't know, she sort of um, has his little cameo guest appearances, doesn't she? Where she just wanders into the <laughs> into the room, like those famous videos online. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that just to explain, you know, if you hear her again, you know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> so we were talking about this congeniality, um, but yeah, it and she kind of basically goes in as Miss New Jersey, doesn't she? And um, she's trying to find out who's behind this uh, uh, this 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 bomb threat because they're trying to, you know, and uh, and you find out that I can't remember the Candice Bergen character who's a former, you know, Miss America, is actually very pissed off or something and wants you know um, everyone to suffer. So she tries to basically ruin the the pageant by putting a bomb there and. And her son is William Shatner or something like that. I can't remember. Or Handyman. But, um, but yeah, no, it is a really good fun role. It's, not, it's kind of the film. It's a silly film. But it's a, that's a good Sunday afternoon sort of film to watch, isn't it? We don't really have to think. It's yeah, just really yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, and I like her. I like there's a bit where, you know, they have to talk after they do the, um, the swimsuit, you know, bit of the show and then and then they have to do their little bit of the um uh what do you call it the judges where the judges ask some questions and they're like so what do you want like world peace and they get that big applause so that's kind of like the one that you know everyone you know expects (laughs) and and it's so true and then she says something completely opposite and like the whole auditorium goes like quiet like so (laughs) like silent and then she says world peace and everyone starts cheering <laughs> but it is really tacky and silly but it's good fun I like that film so yeah Miss Congeniality definitely uh, anything else you want to say about oh by the way I really fancied Benjamin Bratt in that film yeah that was quite well I'm I won't, I won't agree there <laughs> but he's not but, very yeah. nice in that film he comes across as a bit no. An asshole, doesn't he? But it turns out that he kind of fancies own. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, he's not a very nice person to begin with. No, but that was kind of around about the sort of the the time he was in quite a few things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You don't see much of him now, do we? Uh, not so much. He, he does a few TV appearances every now and yeah. again. But I think, yeah. yeah. Not yeah. quite so much anymore. He was in the River Wild as well, actually. He was the ranger that got shot by Kevin Bacon. Oh, okay, yeah. On the river, yeah. And also he's been with uh, Sandra Bullock before. He was in Demolition Man. Oh, was he? 
But the film, yeah, the film she did with Sylvester Stallone. Oh. And he plays, um, he plays uh, one of her colleagues in the film. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. Hmm. Interesting. All right. So that's my choice. I think we've pretty much spoken about that. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not like a, uh, it's not going to be a kind of thinking film, but it's definitely a very entertaining, fun it's sort of like a family film, really, isn't it? It's harmless. Yeah. But it's good fun. And sometimes you want, you know, a little bit of fun or a little bit of escapism. Yeah, and it's a bit of silliness as well. But it is very funny. I like it, actually. And like you said, it's kind of, you think it'd be really tacky because of the subject matter being beauty pageants. Um, but it is really funny because they kind of um, take the piss out of that situation. And and actually, she hates it as well, doesn't she? You know, what it's known for. But then she ends up making friends with most of them towards the end. And she's like, actually, so much more than a beauty pageant. These women are amazing. And, and actually, that's quite a nice touch to it. And that's quite a sentimental moral of the story as well, I think, to that film. So that's kind of a film that celebrates women as well, really, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. Yeah. So, all right, well, let's move on to one of yours. Okay. Um, well, actually, on the subject of witches, <laughs> I'll go back to witches again. I just, it just that's so random. Yeah, it kind of like, because obviously Meryl Streep said that was a kind of like a bad thing. Always yeah, yeah, yeah. As a witch, But it kind of made me think of uh, The Witches of Eastwick. Oh, I never uh, saw that film, but that was the one of Michelle Pfeiffer, Cher, yeah. and who else? Uh, might be Susan Sarandon. Actually. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah Susan Sarandon. Uh, so they're three, yeah, and then it's Jack Nicholson as well. Okay. Yeah, so that that was that was kind of an interesting. It's one of those films where you get kind of three, all these kind of star names, and it's a bit of a star film. Yeah. And it's all female leads again. Yeah. So Jack Nicholson is playing like this kind of, I guess he's like a demonic kind of character Mm. uh, who kind of, he becomes the centre of attention in this village and he gets the attention of all of them uh, one by one. Mm. Uh, And... Yeah, they're kind of uh, these dissatisfied women, so they're a bit miserable in this small town. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Jack Nicholson kind of swoons in, and he's sort of got a kind of... uh, You sort of realise that he's got kind of magical powers, and he's kind of like affecting, you know, people... Women, as he usually does. (laughs) As he usually does, but, you know, literal magic powers rather than just being Jack Nicholson. Okay, (laughs) Um, yeah so slowly they realize that they're being um, manipulated by this guy and he's like you know he's basically sleeping with all of them okay and then they kind of find out so they they set about trying to get revenge on him uh and it's just this uh kind of dark sort of quirky comedy mm. uh which is uh it's a lot of fun and then you've got the three characters uh share Michelle Pfeiffer and Susan Sarandon mm-hmm. uh, and they're all great together they've got quite a lot of chemistry yeah and uh, yeah so they're kind of uh, they're sort of uh, trying to get their revenge on him 
and then things take this kind of magical kind of turn because mm-hmm. uh, they they sort of resort to voodoo and things like that so uh yeah they kind of they end up revealing his kind of true form oh. and uh yeah it's quite a good film yeah oh, that's interesting yeah it's just one of those it's like a, it's escapism again it's quite uh uh enjoyable and, yeah and yeah, sort yeah. Of dark and quirky yeah uh Weirdly, from the director of Mad Max. Okay. So I think <laughs> between doing sort of Mad Max films, he did quite a few sort of variations in comedy and things like that. So yeah. this was uh, this was one of them. Oh, cool! I have to look out for that. You made me just think of another one. <laughs> uh, yeah, what's that? Um, the Craft. Oh yeah, yeah. That's another so that's, email. Uh, witches type thing film yeah that, that's um four of them in that so that's that's very much a female protagonist yeah. film but it and follows speaking of, uh, yeah so, so sorry go ahead and then i was just thinking back to sandra bullock in uh, there's another one called practical magic yeah yeah, yeah with nicole uh, Pittman. with uh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. that's an enjoyable film as well yeah i never saw that one there, there was kind of an era wasn't there for those young witch films <laughs> <laughs> you made me think but yeah you made yeah. me think of the craft with um and that was at the time when what's her face was really popular because she'd just done scream um nev campbell yeah um, yeah nev campbell uh robin turning who's the one who was in the wizard of oz the second one Farooza. uh yeah Farooza bulk yeah do you know what she's yeah. she's very um She's stunning, but in a very unusual way. Does that make yeah, sense? She tends to play like since she became like a doing more adult films, she did uh she seems to do more kind of gothy characters, yeah. dark characters. She's stunning though. Yeah. She's got these this dark hair and these bright blue eyes. Um but like you said, she's yeah. not known for playing these kind of these weirdos or these um gothic y type women. Um, but she's actually, I find her really stunning to look at. Do you know what I mean? Even as a woman. But so, yeah, she's very interesting. Um, I don't think we see her much now, but no, she no, was really good so in that much. film. Yeah, she was very good in that film. She's, she's kind of like, because it starts off, doesn't it, where it's all these four teenage girls, they get together and they, they're basically kind of having a laugh. And the only one that's really sort of serious about it is Feruza, whatever her name is, her character. Oh, Nancy, that's it. I think her name's Nancy. And she's basically the only keen one. And the others just kind of join in because they've got not, nothing better to do. And um, and this, this, this spell gets put on, I can't remember. So they all have these spells or sheets. I can remember one of them does. I can't remember. One gets really evil, and the other one's actually a good witch. That's the Robin Turney character, and it it yeah. basically goes all pear shaped really along the way. Um, but she's a really good baddie in that film. Um, Fruza, blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> but yeah, that's a good film actually that I should rewatch. But have you seen that film? Uh, yeah, I saw that one ages ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of those no, films. Was, was, sorry, yeah. That's one of those films that are well known for. It's kind of like The Exorcist. You know, you hear about these horror stories about when it's made, and all the 
things that went on behind the scenes to the crew and stuff, these horrendous things. Yeah, I, I never heard about that, though. That, that sounds quite interesting. Um, hang on, I'm going to look it up. There was something that happened. Um, I think there was a scene where they're on the beach and they cast a spell. From what I remember, I might be wrong, don't quote me on it, but there's a scene where they're on the, the beach and they're casting a spell. And as they were filming it, um, this massive wave came over and basically wrecked the entire set. Um, so that's kind of like, a, I think it was something to do like that. And, you know, just, you know, you always hear about stories about how they wake up at three o'clock in the morning and weird things like that. <laughs> you know, weird things like that. There's yeah. a lot of stuff like that around. But, um, yeah, that was one of those films well known for that because it's to do with black magic and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there was a lot of that stuff that kind of came out in the 90s, wasn't there? About your sort of young female. Yeah, there were, there were quite a few, yeah. So, um, yeah, you made me think about that, the, the, the witches of Eastwick. So is it your choice or my choice? I kind of had my choice. So I guess it's back to you again because I talked about the craft briefly. <laughs> so let's go back to you. Uh, okay. I will do, I think I will go for, I'm, I'm going to go for something a bit, no, I won't go for something dark again. I'll go for Amelie. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. we talked about I think I'll, Yeah, I'll stay lighthearted. Yeah, yeah. But I think, uh, so yeah, Amelie is just like a really kind of quirky, up enjoyable beat. film. Yeah, it's a really feel-good kind of film, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, definitely a feel-good film. and. Uh, yeah, so she's this kind of uh, introverted character who's kind of takes a vested interest in what other people are doing. And, you know, while, while she's doing that, she almost overlooks her own life and, you know, gets, she kind of gets herself quite lonely, I think. Yeah. And sort of tries to focus on doing other things to help other people out. Yeah. Whereas, you know, she needs to be kind of like focusing on her own life, I think. Because she makes it her mission yeah. at one point, doesn't she? I think it, it, it starts does, yeah. off with something. And then, oh, no, it was when she finds the the box of that man and it's like his old childhood yeah. toys or something. And then she gives it back to him. Um, but she kind of takes it upon herself to start sort of not fixing, but, you know, making people improving their lives in a nice way, you know, like sort of, bringing yeah. joy so like her dad we talked about this didn't we her dad never yeah. traveled because of her her heart problems well she was she was quoted at having heart problems so she, she was basically homeschooled and never really went out and played with other kids so that's the beginning of the film and then you find out you know he says that you know well you obviously you know you can go out the house da, 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 da. you know I always wanted to travel with your mother and then she takes it upon herself to <laughs> to because uh, she's got a friend who's an air hostess doesn't she so tell yeah. us about the air hostess and the gnome so yeah Amelie gets the air hostess to take the gnome around while <laughs> this uh, air hostess is uh, globe trotting and takes uh, photos and then, yeah, in... takes photos where it looks like the gnome is kind of doing selfies all yeah. around the world in tourist uh, spots yeah and then sending them back to the dad <laughs> it's almost like he's kind of vicariously traveling through the gnome and he's really baffled oh, by it, yeah. isn't it because the, the gnome returns suddenly into the garden 
And and then all of a sudden he's like, je ne comprends pas. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, oh, I don't understand. Je ne comprends pas. And he's really baffled by it. And then he's got like this uh, on the wall, he's got all these photos of the gnome outside the famous building in Cambodia and at the Great Wall of China and, and the, you know, all these things like that. So it's just, it's so funny. But, um, but yeah, it's one of those things. Do you know what? We talked about this. I really hope they make a kind of a sort of sequel spin-off of just that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see that. The gnome travelling. Yeah. See what kind of joy the gnome brings to other people. <laughs> but, yeah, Amelie's a good choice. That's very much a female lead as well um, and that's kind of the film that sort of broke her into like the world cinema isn't it really so that's I mean she was always a yeah. well-known actress in France but that's sort of what kind of made her an international sort of actress as well so yeah for sure um, but yeah that's such a nice film it's such a feel-good film and it's really nice and sweet um, so good choice is anything yeah, Sorry. No, it's just like a really good, it's so easy to watch as well. So, you know, any anytime I see it, just, you know, you can slip it on. And it's just really, you know, enjoyable, enjoyable to watch and heartwarming. Yeah, I think it's on Netflix right now or on Amazon. It is, yeah, yeah. Prime, so I have to watch it. It is just, when you watch it, you just kind of feel, ah, it's so sweet and it's just really lovely. <laughs> <laughs> That's a nice Sunday film, other than yeah. the sort of sex scenes in between, but <laughs> maybe not watch it with your family or your, your parents, but it's very quick. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but it is generally a very feel-good film, so that's a very good one. Well done. Um, is there anything you want to talk about that film? I think we've... Uh, no, I think we've covered that one. Yeah, we did cover it in the foreign films, didn't we? Yeah. That was one of us so, yeah. So if you want to hear more about that film, you can listen to our foreign theme, uh, foreign films special, which was done like last September because I was in Crete on my holiday. I remember that. Um, okay. So should we go on to one of mine? Yep. If you like. Yeah. Um, okay. I've got, well, I've got a few. So what you just said, what was the one you just said? Emily. Emily, yeah. Mm, so do you want the okay, I've got a few, but one of them's quite dark and is more of a horror. So do you want to kind of stay on the comedy trail for a little bit? Uh I don't mind. Um okay. Know. Well, I was gonna suggest Bridget Jones. Uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So do you like Bridget Jones? <clears throat> Did you like the first one when it came out? I I actually saw the first one in the cinema. Did you know I did as well? I saw it in Hong Kong and I was like 20 years old. Yeah, 21 years ago. I think that film came out. Oh, that makes you feel so old, doesn't it? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I saw it when I was in Hong Kong as well. Yeah, Yeah, no, it is a really funny film. And, um, And she got a lot of flack for that film because they were like, well, one... Why didn't they just cast a female, uh, an English actress? Because it was a well-known English character. Um, I think it was like, um, was it an article in the paper? It was like um, a column, wasn't it? Like a weekly column or something. And then it came a book. 
I can't remember. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Fielding or something. Um, so, um, but she pulled it off really well and her English accent's really good. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, the, you know, English actors have been doing that over in America for years. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's about time that, you know, they came over the other way. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, she, um, no, she was really good. And obviously she had to put on all that weight because it's meant to be a plus size character. So yeah, she put on a ridiculous amount of weight for that. Um, and actually, do you know what's funny is that about that film, so she's very much a likeable kind of, she's, she's a, not to say dim, she's not dim. She's very kind of gullible, I think, isn't she? And she's like, yeah, she kind of bobbles along kind of thing. And she wants to meet a nice, handsome man and get married. She lives in a bit of a fairy tale, doesn't she? Yeah. And then she's kind of like, you know, that classic English thing of always being, you know, really awkward and just prone to, you know, errors of judgment or accidents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and she meets but, the, the, um, so she meets Colin Firth at, um, I was going to say Colin Farrell, Colin Firth at uh, her parents' like Christmas party, doesn't she? And, um, yeah. and uh, he, he's not very nice to her at the beginning. He's a bit of an arrogant prat. Um, and then he sort of comes back later on in the film. But she kind of takes a fancy, you know, she thinks she will. And then she thinks afterwards, actually, no, I don't like this guy. He's an arrogant. Um, and at the same time, she's working in the office with her boss, who's Hugh Grant. And you know what? In that film, oh, my God, Tom, I really fancy her in that film. <laughs> His hair's really amazing in that <laughs> But he must have been, he was uh, 41 or 42 in that film. And I think that was the film that kind of made me think, like, actually, four kind of thing. Whereas when he was in the 90s, he was kind of well known for being a little bit, not chubbier, I don't want to say, but he had a bit more weight on him, didn't he? Uh, I can't remember really. I think it was also that he would be playing, you know, he would be almost playing the male the male version of Bridget Jones, wouldn't he be kind of like... Well, yeah, he was always... And, I think after Four Weddings and the Funeral, he yeah, was always stammering cast, over his sentences. Yeah, he was always cast as, you know, the, the, the bit of the idiot of the... He was the love... Yeah. You know, he was a bit of the, the love guy who was never getting, you know, yeah. you know, the woman he wanted. And then there was Notting Hill, and that was another one. And Yeah, just he was, always playing very awkward characters, whereas he's... Yeah. And this is playing someone who's a bit kind of a bit more suave and a bit sort of. Uh, well, he's an, he's not a nice guy. A bit manipulative, he? yeah. He's a very so, sort of bad yeah, guy. It's all, really. it's all charm on front, but beneath he's you know a bit of a uh, playboy. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know what? He's gone on record. I was saying this to I remember Rachel and Jason. He was he went on uh, record for saying that actually when he did um. You know, there's those videos where they talk about their careers and the films they've done. And and he said that yeah. that's probably one role that's closest to him. Because I think generally he's quite, he's very witty, isn't he? Like when you see him in interviews, he's actually very funny. And he's, I think his sense of humor is very dry. So, and he comes out with things quite, so he's a lot like that, I think, that, Daniel Cleaver is kind of like that as well. And even though Daniel Cleaver is, you know, he's what you call a bad boy, 
but actually he's kind of a nice bad boy, if that makes sense. You can kind of understand why she fancies him because he's very charming as well. And, you know, um, whereas the Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell, Colin Firth is very kind of like, you know, he's very good looking, but he's safe and he's he's a bit of a, you know, he's a bit of a prat at the beginning. And then she begins <laughs> to realise that actually yeah. it's, you know, you should never judge a book by its cover. And, you know, you basically find out that Hugh Grant cheated on um, him with his wife. Blah, 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 blah. But um, so, yeah, but she's really good in that film. She's very much a sort of silly Billy in that film, but she's very funny in that film. For sure. I love those films. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Is there anything you want to say about Bridget Jones? Uh, no, I think it's another one of those where it's, you know, just good fun to watch. Yeah, another Sunday. Yeah, the first one particularly, yeah. Yeah. They are really good fun. The second one's really good. She has put on the weight again. And then the third one is on, I think, Netflix, Bridget Jones' Di uh, Baby. And... Um, that's all right. I mean, it hasn't got Hugh Grant, but um, yeah, it's a bit, it's not, it's all right. It's kind of the same thing. It's not going to be like, you know, thought provoking or anything, is it? But um, she didn't put on the weight for that film. So, so yeah, I think that was a bit disappointing to some people, but that was her choice. Oscar, why are you eating the plant? Sorry, one of the cats is eating the plant. I'm house sitting and cat sitting. I'm going <laughs> to give him some food. So I'm going to stop quickly because <laughs> I'm getting quite worried he's eating my mum and her partner's plants and I don't think that's a good step <laughs> so Can't hang on I'm just going to pause <laughs> Oscar stop eating the plant <laughs> hang on a minute all right sorry about that everyone I had a bit of a fiasco sorry Tom <laughs> that's all right I'm house and cat sitting. You know, you've got to do what the cat says. <laughs> well, it's kind of like, do you know what? I'm cat sitting and house sitting for my mum and stepdad. And um, they've got two cats. And I swear, these cats are like children. You can't, like, close your eyes or... <laughs> they're, <laughs> you know, they're, like, watching them all the time. It's a bit like you and your daughter, really. <laughs> yeah, and my cat as well. And your cat. You've got a cat as well. But like yeah. they're so demanding. Like there's two. There's Oscar. That's the one that was eating the plant just now, and I gave him some food as I paused. Um, and then there's Millie. So Oscar's quite a quiet cat. Like he, he has a funny meow. He kind of goes <laughs> kind of that. It's a sort of broken <laughs> cat. He's a bit of an old cat, so he kind of acts like an old sort of cat. He's a bit grumpy looking, but he's very cute. And Millie is, um, Millie's, <laughs> she's lovely, but she never, she always wants attention. She's very demanding. And it's like, you stroke her, but she doesn't want to be stroked. And then she'll come to you when she wants to, but she meows for no reason. And I think she just wants to be assured that she just, she's just very, very needy, Tom. <laughs> she's really needy. <laughs> she's really needy. And I woke up the other day to Oscar scratching on a door to be fed at like six o'clock in the morning. I was like, leave me alone. <laughs> um, I was already fed on the night before. And then Millie is meowing, even though I already fed her. I was like, what do you cats want from me? What do you children want from me? <laughs> So anyway, so sorry about that. <laughs> so you got Lilo interrupting and the cats interrupting. So if we have to run off for any reason, everyone knows 
why <laughs> this is what happens during live recordings and things like that you only need to go on the internet and youtube to watch those videos to see don't you <laughs> anyway so let's go back to the topic so we're talking about bridget jones i think we've pretty much covered everything now to be honest haven't we yeah i think we yeah we covered uh, yeah jones. yeah oscar yeah. stopped at a good place before he started nibbling on the end of my mum's plan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, let's move on to one of your choices. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go for, this is a very strange film, uh, called Possession. Okay. Uh, so this was directed by a Polish director called uh, Andrzej Zalowski. Mm-hmm. And uh, starring, do you know Isabel Ajani? No. Um, yeah, so she's quite a famous French actress. So, uh, and it's also starring Sam Neill. Mm-hmm. So, as in guy from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this was in 1981, and the film is about a married couple. Mm-hmm. And basically, the director he wrote this film kind of off the back of uh, like a really kind of bitter divorce that he'd had. Mm-hmm. So it's like the ultimate kind of anti-marriage film. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got that as the backdrop and then it's like a psychological kind of creature horror as well. Mm. Um, and basically uh, you've got this couple on, who are kind of separated and then there's every now and again there's a fleeting kind of idea that they might get back together. You kind of see from the the female protagonist's point of view mm. that she's being kind of manipulated and kind of gaslighted by the husband mm. um, who's always kind of making her out to be childish and sort of immature and mm. uh, kind of you know imbalanced but then at the same time you know she's having these kind of psychological issues and she's seeing another guy as well mm. and he seems to have some kind of power over her as well and then they both kind of discover both of these men that she's got another kind of, you know, person that she's seeing. And then the film goes off into this weird tangent where she's being kind of uh, controlled by this kind of creature. Yeah. And uh, it's a very, very strange film, very dark, but her performance in it is amazing. Um, It's quite well known just for the intensity that she puts into the performance. I mean, she Mm. doesn't really hold anything back. Yeah. Uh, There's like an infamous uh, subway scene where she's having this complete meltdown. Uh, I won't say exactly why this moment's happening. It's quite a weird sort of moment. Um, So the whole film is an analogy for like, uh, you know, marriage or bad marriages. Mm. Then you've got the psychological aspects. And then you've got this creature horror film as well. So it's like a little bit of this weird art house mix. It's a very strange film to watch, but it's one of those where you kind of, it's unforgettable once you've watched it. Yeah, yeah. Even if you'll be sort of sat there at the end of it thinking, what the hell have I just watched? (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, it's just the dedication she puts into the role. And a little bit like Bjork said with... um, dancer in the dark mm. uh, Isabella Jani just talks about this film saying that she'll never give so much to a film again and it really took a lot out of her 
yeah. at the time. I uh, really kind of stuck with her for quite a while after she'd made it. Mm. She just basically put so much into it. But I mean, if you watch the film, I mean, she's got the most amazing eyes. Yeah. That really kind of, they tell a story and there's this lot of things going on. And she's playing this character that's kind of like uh, a little bit kind of, I guess she's disturbed, very disturbed, but you can see that in her eyes and she just, uh, she plays it so well, it's just really kind of disturbing. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can understand <laughs> why she found it hard yeah. to not walk away from that afterwards for a while. You yeah. do hear about things like that, don't you? Like, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just so much of how she's playing the role is within, but at the same time, she's playing, she's giving so much physically to the role. Mm. And she's playing, you know, breakdowns and fits of rage and things like that. So she, it's a very emotional role and a very physical role. Yeah, for sure. I'll have, yeah. to give, I'll have to watch that. Sounds interesting. But not another one to watch on Sunday afternoon. Oh, definitely not a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> so probably not with your, your parents or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or with, <laughs> with your sisters either. You have to be in a good frame of mind to watch that film. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, should we go into one of mine? Yeah, yeah. Um, I I have to talk about this because if I don't, I'll annoy. I'll get very annoyed myself. Carrie, the original one with Sissy yeah. Spacek. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so, a really good film. Yeah. That's a really good film. Did you see the original? I mean, I saw bits of it. It looked absolutely awful, Tom. Why did they remake that film? It's such a good film anyway. I, it's just so you can't really remake it because it's such a unique, she's such a unique actress. She's so good in that yeah. role. And you know what? Um, She was like 20 at that time. Or she was like in her early 20s. And yeah, but, I think she probably was. Yeah, early to mid 20s. Yeah, but she's playing like um, a 40. Uh, hang on. How old is she meant? Fifteen or probably sixteen, maybe. Sixteen-year-old. Like like yeah. A, a prom or a high school prom or something. And it, yeah, because like and it, it, do you yeah. know what you film? You know the opening of that film. You feel so. You feel so much empathy and sympathy for that for that poor girl who's having her period, which is like. You know, it's every milestone in the young woman's, you know, life. And she hasn't got a clue what's happening to her. So she's terrified. And all yeah. the girls are around her and are changing when they're, like, having fun. You know, it starts off, they're all, like, you know, chatting and laughing and they're all having a great time. And then the Carrie has a period and she goes absolutely mental because she's like, yeah. well, you would do, wouldn't you, if you didn't know what it you was. Would, exactly, yeah. Um. And they just like they're so horrible, Tom. You, so you really feel empathy. They're like they start throwing tam, like tampons. It's like like plug it up, plug it up. And they just start throwing tampons and tampons at her. Uh, and so you kind of have a real empathy towards her from the very beginning, don't you? You kind of you're on her side, and then as the film progresses like sort of you know in the sort of maybe the opening-ish later on you find out that her mum is absolutely out of her mind (laughs) (laughs) yeah well tell us about that Tom you you take it away tell us what the situation is between why is Carrie the weirdo and why is her mum even strange (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so her mum is very kind of devoutly religious, isn't she? So she's a Jehovah's she's, Witness, I think, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. And she's constantly kind of Preaching. drumming into Carrie that you know people are kind of horrible and they're you know sinners and that she has Next to be is, yeah yeah <laughs> and uh so you know Carrie has to be kind of very kind of respectful to her mother and to her the religion and she has to sort of abide by all the rules and everything yeah. uh, and not engage with you know the other students and males the, yeah and males particularly males yeah. <laughs> <laughs> particularly John Travolta yeah oh god um, yeah so I mean Sissy Spasek in this is amazing she is so good in that film mother is really you know superb in this as well she's very good uh, at playing like a child isn't she because she does come she across was, yeah quite I mean obviously uh, teenagers you well you are a child but she she comes across as even though she's probably about 16 17 ish maybe she comes across in that film as a lot younger i wonder how old she is and she's supposed to be hang on i'm gonna google it how old is carrie meant to be it might be different in the film than it is in the book you know because they do that don't it they? could be yeah i'm I mean, thinking it's like about 16 because it's you know you, you culminate in that oh mm-hmm. 17 it says 17 oh. yeah it's coming up with Sex in the City. I don't want to know about Carrie Bradshaw. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one we could talk about, but I can't yeah. stand. That's not one we need to talk about. <laughs> in... no, I think it says uh, seven, she's 17. Okay, yeah. But, oh, yeah, she's meant to no, be I mean... 16. She's meant to be 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it says here she's she's constantly mocked and bullied at school. So, yeah, because, because obviously she's lived this very sheltered, home life with her mother and obviously you know your mother's your mother so you're going to trust every word she says and she's going to believe it and then she's at school she's this she comes across as this absolute well not in that case she's just very um what do you call it uh not introvert isn't she she doesn't talk to anyone. she's very yeah. quiet she's very shy and she's got messy hair and she's you know, she's obviously from a kind of poorer background, so she's not as well off as the other kids. And so she's got, you know, bad clothes, etc. Um, So they make fun of her. Um, and you really take her side, don't you, for kind of pretty much majority of the film from the beginning. And then you just kind of see yeah. she gets asked out to the prom and that makes her suspicious, but she goes along for it because the girl who was in kind of involved with the mocking basically thinks actually I, I shouldn't have done that you know she was kind of going along with it with all the other girls and then yeah. she kind of takes a sign and tells her boyfriend actually can you take her out you know because I want to do something nice for her so because she feels bad um and she's actually a really nice girl isn't she but it's at that age isn't it when you're easily influenced and you kind of you yeah. don't want to be seen as you know, I don't know. It's hard that age, isn't it? So, and it does come across in that film, doesn't it? Like the school politics of kids and how they can be really, really mean to other kids. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah. Yeah. So, I so think, basically, yeah. she gets asked out to the prom, and she gets eventually she goes with the most popular boy in school, and uh, 
and then there's, there's this there's, on the side track there's this really obnoxious girl who gets like suspended and she's John Travolta's girlfriend and to be honest she comes across in that film as being a bit of a slut really doesn't she she's not a nice girl <laughs> uh. <laughs> and she's like I hate Carrie so they plan on doing this really nasty thing tell tell everyone what she does they all know what she does but what I think they yeah it's, it's infamous isn't it so yeah. they basically suspend a big bucket of pig's blood mm. above her head so that when she's announced as uh prom queen at the prom which the, is a yeah. scene where she turns so we have to talk about that because that, that's like yeah so is, this is her, like this is a glorious moment where all of a sudden she's being accepted and acknowledge and everyone loves her and yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and she thinks that maybe I can be normal now. And it's and her then, moment, isn't it? It's her yeah. moment. It's like this most incredible moment and everyone is genuinely really happy for both of them. And at this point, you know, there's been hints that she has kind of like certain powers, like telekinetic powers. Yes, yes. Yeah, but be. nothing kind of prepares you for what happens after no. the pig gets dumped on her. It's so good when it yeah. the way it builds up, doesn't it? Yeah. Like it goes, you see the shot of her and her crown in glory, and it is it's like in slow motion. And then you have the scenes at the back where the girl who you know his is the boyfriend's real girlfriend, but she's basically watching to see you know what you know how it's going, etc. And then she clocks onto the fact that actually she can see underneath the stage that that nasty girl and John Travolta are arguing over the pig's blood and who's going to pull it. And she's trying to warn the teacher, and the teacher thinks, no, actually, you're just going to end up bullying her again or doing something else. So she kicks her out of the building, and actually the girl's trying yeah. to warn her what's going on with the girl and John Travolta underneath the stage, but the teacher doesn't clock on. So, so yeah. she gets pushed out, the doors get closed, and at that moment, that's pretty much when all hell goes loose. To <laughs> tell everyone <laughs> what happens, that very famous scene. Well, I mean, this is where she starts using her telekinetic powers. It kind of gets unleashed fully. Well, hang on, the blood falls gets... down on them, doesn't it? And yeah. there's that yeah, awful scene. So the blood scene, comes down, yeah. And it just goes like over her head, and it's like red. And and then she starts hearing. It just goes quiet, doesn't it? He's so good for doing that film. Um, What's his name? Brian De Palma. Yeah, Brian De Palma. And it goes quiet, doesn't it? And there's a shot of Tommy and you can sort of, you can't hear him, but you can see him saying, what the hell is this kind of thing? And then she kind of, you know, when she imagines everyone laughing at her all of a sudden. And yeah. They're, but they're actually, they're, they're, absolutely ter- they're absolutely shocked and they feel horrendous for her because she's been covered in pig's blood, right? And yeah. <laughs> at her clothes glory and uh, this moment all this blood and then she starts imagining everyone laughing going they're all gonna laugh for you and it's the mother talking <laughs> and then it's the teacher going you can trust me Carrie and all the kids are laughing and and then you see this stuff sort of swirling around and that's when she loses it doesn't she and like you yeah. say what happens her telepathic powers they really really come into place <laughs> So tell everyone what happens, Tom. They all know, but we all want to hear it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just carnage, isn't it? So it's she starts uh, so yeah, you... killing people. and So, well, she starts off around. by shutting the doors and the windows. Yeah. And she sets, what does she do? She sets the hoses off. 
So the electricity is going off and killing people and um yeah. I can't remember there's a fire and it's just absolutely horrendous. So while and everyone's pretty much dead by the time, you know, <laughs> she gets out. They're all being killed. Oh, and there's people yeah. trying to leave, they get out the door, but the door's closed and they're basically yeah. squashing them and killing them and they're like, you know, and they're getting electrocuted. It's just really nasty. <laughs> And you think, um, but actually, you know, it's very satisfying because you think these people have been really nasty to her. You kind of feel for her and you kind of think, yes. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. But then you think the other two get away because they do, don't they? The um, John Travolta and the slutty girl. <laughs> Can't remember her name. <laughs> They they drive off, but then she catches up to them and she kills them in the car as well. And then there's that ultimate showdown between her and the her her mother at, in, at the house. Yeah, the it house. just from the, it just goes completely mad at the end, doesn't it? It so does. Really it does. Uh, do you know what's funny is that when good build up. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, really good build up. And then there's that scene where the house, you know, um, falls down, and. You know, she knows that she's killed her mum, but in the moment she kind of goes back to that childlike state where she's like, "I, you know, I need my mummy. I can't, do you know what I mean? And she's like, what yeah. am I going to do? And she, there's that scene where she's trying to get her mum loose. Um, and also there's that iconic scene where, because they concentrate at one point on the crucifix with Jesus on it, don't they? And when her telepathic skills come into place and she kills the mum, the 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 knives start flying at her, don't they? So they basically pin her, stab her in the hands, and then at the feet and in the stomach, and yeah. it kind of looks like the shape of Jesus on the crucifix. So she's meant to be in that kind of. So it's kind of symbolic as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a really, really, really dark story. But I mean, obviously, it's based on a Stephen King book, so yeah. There's always a lot of religion and things like that in those kind of films. He's very good, actually, because in a lot of his, I don't know, maybe not in a lot of them, but for, definitely, for instance, Carrie and um, what was the other one? Uh, the Green Mile. Um, those were his stories. And Shawshank Redemption was a short story by him, by the way. A few of his stories are kind of very kind of moralistic, aren't they? Like that one, you kind of feel yeah. like that's about bullying. And you can kind of see, you know, actually you kind of take empathy and sympathy from her perspective because, like, high school is about that, isn't it? We've all kind of been through that kind of stuff. Or you've been on the receiving end or you've been on the other side of it. So you, yeah. you, you, we all have to go through that, but obviously not to that extreme, obviously. Um, but, yeah, that, and uh, so he's very good for 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 doing that and also for giving the characters the bad ones their comeuppance he's very good at doing that yeah no, yeah. no definitely yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 so and obviously there's that very famous ending isn't it where we think because the girl goes to see her at the grave and it basically it's her only friend you know and uh i know she's dreaming isn't she she's dreaming that she's walking to her house and putting flowers on Carrie's grave, and then there's that very famous scene where the hand comes out, and she wakes up screaming because <laughs> she's absolutely traumatized by what's happened. <laughs> but that scene is the last um, jump scare, isn't it? 
yeah, it's that classic thing. I think they did something similar in Friday the 13th, didn't they? Yeah. Right at the end of that one. Is that, is that with Jason? Yeah, when he comes out, <clears throat> he comes out of the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's kind of, I think, what made that, you know, kind of the cliche of the ending of the, you know, the horror film is that there has to always be a kind of a, a jump scare, doesn't there? And it's got to yeah. be big. So that was definitely one of them. And that's been that's been parodied a lot as well. I remember that being parodied in Adam's Family, the second one. Um, <laughs> for, for, uh, and yeah, yeah, so it's one of those things that's been sort of you know, mimicked many times. All right, so let's go into one of yours. Uh, okay, I will do... Oh, by the way, is there anything else you want to say about Carrie? Oh no, I think we've we've covered Carrie. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, oh, difficult. I can't really think of another one. Uh, I think. Do you want me to say one, and then if you try and think? Uh, of yeah, one? you can. Yeah. Yeah, because um, what was the one I wanted to talk about? Oh, Carrie. Oh. You know what? I had a list of them that started coming into my mind. Uh, so we talked about. Bridget Jones, we talked about Carrie. Oh, yes, because you were talking about female fatales. Right, so I'll, I'll hate myself if I don't say this, but you're going to have to remind me what the title is. And it's been ages since I've seen the film, so you're going to have to. So this can be your choice, but pretend yeah. it wasn't me. What was the one of <laughs> Linda Fiorentino? Uh, the last, last Seduction. Oh, that's amazing. All right, tell yeah. us why. That was kind of like the trend of the 90s, wasn't it? But it was a lot of these femme fatales. Yeah. Yeah. So I think um yeah, tell us about that. That was sort of middle of the nineties, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. That's such a good film, by the way. Yeah, that's kind of like in the wake of, you know, like basic instincts and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another one. So she's kind of like in a unhappy marriage marriage. Uh well he's a bit of a prick, really, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean she tries to sort of manipulate him into selling drugs and then uh Basically, she skips out on him, mm. and then she stops in a small town. Doesn't she steal then, the money? Yeah, she, she steals the money, and she stops off in a small town, and then she starts yeah. to manipulate uh, this other guy. This young guy, this, like, yeah. really, he's so naive, isn't he? And he just, like, yeah. that she basically, like, has sex with him outside just to try and get his um, attention yeah. and get him on her and side, then, basically. It's she's ruthless that's yeah. what it is so she wants him to you know Kill get rid her of her husband. husband yeah which is a little bit similar to there was a film called body heat uh in the early 80s with kathleen turner which is mm. a similar kind of thing where she has an affair then she wants the the guy she's having an affair with to kill her husband yeah uh yeah so it's like that classic you know femme fatale thing and uh kind of erotic thriller yeah 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 but that but, was I mean, quite that, an unusual it, yeah. film i think wasn't it to see because she's really because she's very good at playing i mean she's very manipulative see so she's clearly very a psychopath in that film but she's very good yeah. at playing the female what's meant to be the female role do you know what i mean like she she's yeah there's that scene at the beginning where she's the police are monitoring her and she goes out and she gives them cookies. Like, do you know what I mean? And they're, they're clearly <laughs> watching her every move. Yeah. But she's very good at playing people and coming across as the nicest person, even though they know she isn't. Do you know what I mean? Like, 
playing them to her advantage. So I think that was a little bit different to say what Sharon Stone did in Basic Instinct, Mm. where she's always kind of got this front on, but she's not trying to play nice. She's always kind of cold. Yeah. Uh, So I think that's an interesting difference there with uh, Linda Fiorentino. Yeah. She's gorgeous, by the way. She's absolutely stunning in that film. Yeah, so I think that really kind of put her on the map. Yeah. Um, but then it, you know, she never really kind of took off that well. Well, she did a few that. of those kind of films. There was one called yeah. Jade, wasn't there? That's yeah. another vein. That was similar, yeah. But I yeah. think that, that was a bit of a flop, that film. So maybe that kind of affected uh, her, career. You know, her roles going forward. Yeah. I mean, she appeared every now and again in a few kind of things. Um, she was in one of the many black films. Yeah, I think, yeah, Men in Black. First, oh, first one, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, that's all around about the time of the last seduction. So yeah, kind of on around about the time she broke out. Yeah. Yeah. No, she was really good. She was amazing in that film, actually. She was very, um, <laughs> she was scary. <laughs> She's another <laughs> scary one. Is there anything you want to say about the film? Because that's technically your film, because you couldn't think of any side. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, it's just another one of those kind of things where those kind of old school thrillers, um, you just don't see that many of now. I think no. a few more are coming back in because they're being made for like Netflix and Amazon now. So, but you know, you don't really see them on the big screen anymore. No, it's a shame, isn't yeah. it? Because they're really entertaining to watch. Yeah. So all these kind of like murderous plots and things like that, it's just, uh, they call them pot boilers. Yeah. Uh, based like old uh, trashy novels used to be like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they're a bit, you know, it's a bit it's sort of far-fetched sometimes or a bit outlandish, but they're, they're good fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, is there anything you want to say about the film then? So, The Last Seduction. No, I've got to watch that film. It's been a very long time. But yeah, it is the a same really for me. Film. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that in at least 10 years now. God, yeah, me too. It is yeah. a really good film, though, actually. I was surprised yeah. by it. I um, do remember they did a, se- a straight-to-video sequel. As did they? Uh, as well. <laughs> yeah. So it couldn't have been I don't, good. I don't think that was too bad, actually, but it was, wasn't a patch on the original. Yeah, yeah. Was she yeah. in the in the sequel? No, it had an, another actress in it um, okay. called Joan Severance. So she was quite well known for doing kind of like the, the sort of films you'd see on Channel 5 back in the day. Where, you know, <laughs> one, in, one in the morning. Oh, so they must have been really bad if they're on Channel 5. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it would normally involve, you know, a lot of sex scenes. And yeah, yeah. And the kind of thing that you watch when you're a, you know, 15-year-old boy, basically. <laughs> you're trying to tell us something, Tom. <laughs> yeah staple viewing back in the day yeah the yeah movies. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I know what you mean <laughs> and you know you were talking about basic instinct I mean that was kind of the one that set them off and sort of set her into she she complained about that didn't she Sharon Stone because she's actually yeah. very clear she's supposed to be notoriously known for being very very difficult to work with yeah um, she she did a film called Sliver, uh, or, with uh, yeah, uh, Alex one of Baldwin. The 
And I don't think it was Alec. I think it was one of the brothers. Um, uh, oh, William, William. Yeah, Billy, William, William. Billy, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I uh, fancied him a lot as well in that, at that time. <laughs> 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 They're all quite, they, I mean, they all look very similar, especially in the 90s. But yeah, he was really handsome. Um, but they apparently hated each other where, where it got to the point where she wouldn't even film any scenes with him. So they were doing scenes with stunt doubles and doubles yeah. and things like that. Um, yeah, that's not too surprising. I think he had a bit of a reputation as well. So oh, it's kind of like two bulls coming together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. obviously we can't talk about Basic Instinct with that very famous scene. And you said you've watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, every man has watched it and freeze-framed it, haven't they? Tell everyone what it is, Tom. It's um, a notorious scene. Uh, the car chase scene. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, well, she's been interrogated by the police. Yeah, no, I know, I know, I know yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is the one that, uh, so back in the day when on videotapes, they used to have uh, obviously the pause button and then there came this uh, period where VHS players had frame by frame. So this would be the era. Uh, maybe it's a guy thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But you know, you know, every guy for a time of just after Basic Instinct came out on video would have a worn out frame by frame button. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, that infamous leg crossing scene. Yes. Sharon Stone maintains that she, she didn't, didn't realise did what was happening, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you know Well she knew, but she they told her that um it wouldn't come across in the film. It was something to do with yeah. the lights or shadows. So Yeah. But but um and then and then she complained that nobody took her seriously as an actress <laughs> afterwards <laughs> and uh, yeah. Irony is though that you know she's actually really good in that film. It's a really you know really great performance. It is a really good film. I think she got it very is, yeah. casted as well. Yeah, for that. a few years. Obviously, she did Slim there. Then she did this uh, one called The Specialist. Yeah, with um, Slice Stallone. Yeah. So she did do a kind of run of all these kind of films, but yeah. She actually is quite a good actress, you know, though, because she's been in a few sort of indie films. She did one with Bill Murray where she plays one of his, like, former lovers. At, yeah. He, he, is it Flowers yeah. or Pink Flowers? Yeah. Uh, Broken Flowers. Yeah, that's a really good film. I remember watching that, and that's not a well-known film. It's basically, I can't remember how that starts off. Like he finds a baby girl on his doorstep or something, and and I can't remember. But yes, he, he goes and revisits all of his former girlfriends, and she's one of them. Um, and she was very good in that film, actually, from what I remember. I mean, it was a long time ago I saw that film, but yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, she's clearly had a reputation and has a reputation. She's a bit like the um, um. She's kind of like the Val Kilmer. I talked about this with Laurel, um, who's also had a very big, you know, kind of notorious reputation for being very, very difficult to work with. Yeah. Um, who's the other one um, in Gladiator? He's a really good actor, but he's well known. Oh, yeah, Russell, Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah. <laughs> he's had his moments, yeah. Yes, yeah. Well known yeah. for his um, anger bursts and, you know, his rages and stuff. But he's a really good actor. He just hasn't done anything recently. So, 
I think that's kind of, you know, a bit maybe telling. I don't know. I'm not going to say anything, you know, for sure. But, you know, so apparently Sharon Stone is well known for being very difficult to work with, as, you know, some of us have heard. But, you know, who knows? We don't know for sure, do we? So <laughs> we won't know. <laughs> if, if I work with her, I'll let you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 You, you, you know someone who worked with Amber Heard? I do, yeah. We we can't talk too oh, much about no, that, no. <laughs> but but no, she's uh, she's well known for being very difficult to work with, isn't she? We can say that much. Yeah. Yes. So I think yeah, she's got a bit of a, a reputation as well. Yes. Yeah. Let, uh, let's leave it yeah. there, just in case. We'll, we'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. So. Uh. So that was your choice or my choice? I can't remember. Last deduction. Uh, yeah. You gave you gave that to me. That is uh, my choice. Okay. Did you think yeah. of one then, or do we to go uh, one then while you're thinking of the next one? Because I know you can go. You can do one if you want. Um. Uh. Blah, 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 blah. Can I say Chicago? <laughs> yeah. With I'm um, a Zellweger theme today. Yeah, Renee. Yeah, yeah, she's in that, isn't she? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great film. I love that film, and the music's amazing. And you know what's funny is that actually, because uh, that film came out when I was like, tw- uh, when was it? Two thousand one or something? No, no, two thousand two, two thousand three. Yeah, two thousand and two, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what's funny is that like that's one of those films where I could watch it over and over again and never get tired because the music's so amazing. And then you know what's really ironic in like life can be like that is that you know sometimes you find that actually kind of things go full circle. So many years later you'll meet someone who was like a former lover or you know it just kind of things come back to you in a weird way. That, um, of, you know that life works <laughs> and yeah. so so basically so that was 2002 2003 ish and when I was like 28 29 I think I was 28 um because I worked on and off in my 20s as front of house uh mostly at musicals right and this was on and off between other jobs and traveling and working in hotels abroad as an entertainer a red coat like family hotel entertainer and all that kind of stuff um, and at one point I ended up working at um, the musical Chicago <laughs> and that oh, was all cool. I ever heard eight times a week <laughs> <laughs> but I never got bored of it because I love the music so much and the dancing's amazing um, yeah. but yeah so so um, but I love that film because that's another one where I actually think <laughs> you know if that was real you wouldn't get these two murderers out on bail, like, you know, out free and become stars, would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> you know, they just... I think feel... it's, you know, it's good fun, isn't it? It is good fun. Yeah. And I like the fact it's kind of like another kind of, you know, you know, don't go around pissing women off. <laughs> <laughs> don't go around, you know, yeah. thinking, you know, you can just sleep with them and get no consequences back because, you know, they will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah i mean obviously that's not true to life but you know what i mean <laughs> yeah it's a fun sort of escapism film for women i think oh yeah definitely yeah i yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. um no, it's just really it's a classic kind of big hollywood production and again you don't really 
you don't really see too many of those anymore. No, and you know what you think about it. Recently, with you know West Side Story, they brought back, didn't they? Oh so, God, don't bring but, that. Do you know yeah, what? Particularly I saw, kind of original things. Though. I saw the sequel last weekend with my sisters. I'm like, okay, let's give it a go. Yeah. And I, oh, Tom, I just thought it was absolute dribble drabble. I thought it was nonsense. I hated it. I did not like it. And I try really hard not to compare it to the original one, right? But I yeah. just thought it was really scatty. The storyline was ter- They put the songs, and obviously the songs make sense that they're in that order of the original of what things yeah. happen. So that they and they explain basically the songs kind of explain as the the narrative goes on from you know A to B to C, and in this film they just kind of like well this, they make up a different story. He obviously wrote the script again with somebody else, so they kind of make up. But Tony's a bit of a, a moron in this film. Like he's 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 on parole for beating someone up, and then. I don't know. It was just, it was a shambles. The songs are all over the place. And then there's plot holes to the story. Oh, it's just absolute crap. So I wasn't impressed with that film, but some people are, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, yeah. So sequels are kind of hit and miss, aren't they? They're well known for doing that. Yeah. Anyway, so I interrupted you. We're talking about Chicago. Let's get back to that. <laughs> <laughs> we do this sometimes. All right. So we're saying about Chicago. Oh, that was sent during, that was kind of filmed during the, um, or set during the, kind of gangster period so you wouldn't have really heard if you think about it those gangster films that came out many years ago that were well known for the film noir you wouldn't have come across female murderers would you and it's kind of set around that era yeah I think um that's quite interesting and obviously it's quite a it's a little bit exaggerated isn't it because it's a musical and everything so Mm. it's kind of um very very stylish and quite yeah. old-fashioned i guess the way they've they've shot it well it's fossey so as well yeah. so he's a well-known yeah. choreographer yeah so it's yeah very glossy and a very kind of uh stylish uh period film yeah yeah no no but, but you know it was... that kind of that whole look as well the cold gangs old gangster uh, yeah yeah 30s gangster look but um you know, it was done by, it was choreographed by Bob Fosse. He was a well-known. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he's well-known for doing those kind of dance styles, you know. And you can tell they're very kind of sort of jazz and exaggerated and, you know, they're kind of sexy and they're suave. And um, so, yeah, that's very much his kind of musical. So, yeah, um, definitely his kind of film, yeah. Um, but it's always held up, and it's still going on in the West End now. So, so it's it's always been a very popular show, and obviously that's why they made the film. But um, yeah, now that film's another good. It's another fun film to watch, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's you know it's just good fun, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. My favorite one is my favorite song is the one where they're in prison, the the cell block tango. Yeah, um, I can't t- remember too many of the songs, really. It's basically I just all the do women- remember that uh, people weren't too keen on Richard Gere. Oh, I uh, thought it was the other way. They weren't keen on Renee Zellweger. Well, I think they liked him. It's the singing part, I guess. I think he was really good in that, I, I thought. Wasn't he? Were they not keen on him? I think um, 
I'll have, to look at it. I'll have to watch again. I think yeah. it's, uh, I don't know if they used auto tune or anything like that. Yeah. I know John C. Riley was really good in the film as well. Um, he was. Yeah. 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 He was, he was her husband, isn't he? He's playing a bit of the loser, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll tell you a funny story about that character. When I worked at the theatre, right? Um, because we had to do two matinees a week, we always kind of looked forward to the matinee days because it was basically what they used to do was they didn't really have a break. Well, Friday they would have a, a late matinee and then they would just have um, back-to-back and do another show right after the audience yeah. leaves. they get the next bunch in. And it was pretty hardcore, to be honest. And then the Saturday you have a little bit of a break between... Um, but when it was the matinee days, we kind of secretly hoped that that would be a good day because because the actors, <laughs> this is going to sound so bad, because they've done two shows and they're also really tired, every now and then you might see a little bit of a slip up. And there was, <laughs> and there was one, the original guy who played, um, what's his name? Her husband in in the show. I can't remember, and in the film, I don't remember. Ah, what's his name, Tom? In the film, oh, the Ropsy's uh, husband calls the character name or the the actor. Oh no, 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 no. that's John C. Riley. But Ropsy's yeah. husband in ah, uh, oh Seamus, is it Seamus? She- uh, yeah, I think so. I, I can't remember the names. To uh, be honest. Oh, uh, Amos. Amos. Yeah, I just remember Roxy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roxy, oh, that's a really that good name, song. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I love that song. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's that. You know that famous song with Wiggers, Cellophane, Mister Cellophane. That one. <laughs> well, when it was yeah. um, the matinee day, I can't remember if it was the first performance or the second performance, but he was obviously tired and you know you just every now and then you'll get like a brain freeze so you'll be talking and then suddenly you forget what you're talking about but this is live yeah. right so there's people watching him there's <laughs> a full auditorium and it was during that song and there's one bit that goes um I can't remember so I'm not the singer I don't have to worry about it but he forgot the lines while he was singing and he <laughs> And he did this, he went, under, da, da, under, da, da. And his hands went up like jazz hands, me. (laughs) (laughs) And that's all I remember from that. Maybe he got away with it. (laughs) But, yeah, there were funny things. That's the the fun thing about working with theatres. (laughs) And the the dance captain, I was standing with him because he was just watching. And his face, when that happened, was hilarious. Because he's kind of like their boss, and he's watching that. <laughs> so that's what I remember from that song. But yeah, no, definitely um, Chicago. It, it is a very fun film. Um, she's really good in it, actually. Um, Renee Zellweger. She got very skinny for it, but yeah, and it yeah. wasn't long after Bridget, was it? So no, I think she was difference. under. Uh, a lot of pressure to lose the weight really fast, wasn't she? For that, yeah. Film? A bit like what's his face, 
is well known for doing that. Uh, yeah, Christian Bale does it a lot, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. Goes up and down. Yeah, which is which I spoke about with Rachel and um, Jason, which is really dangerous if you're doing it very drastically and very fast. Yeah, it's extremely dangerous. It is, yeah, and he does it over and over, doesn't he? So yeah, he's going to end up killing yeah. himself. <laughs> <laughs> Mad man. Um, but apparently, so she had to lose the weight for that film. But apparently, Catherine Zeta-Jones had to plump up for that film. So she had to put on uh, extra weight. Yeah. I think Renee Zellweger deliberately lose the weight, lost the weight because that was her. That had nothing to do. I mean, no, she obviously had to lose a bit for from Bridget Jones, but she didn't need to go that far. Um, I think that was the pressure she put on herself possibly as well. But they told, I remember seeing an interview saying, Catherine Zeta-Jones was saying that actually they asked her to, put on a few extra pounds which was unusual because she said that usually they're telling them to lose more weight so um yeah but um yeah they're all really good in that film um john c wiley's very good in that film for sure uh so yeah no and i was surprised uh, because richard gear's a very good singer i thought but i don't know what the reports were but then there you go <laughs> did you like chicago uh yeah i haven't seen it in ages but yeah, yeah. It was, um yeah it was enjoyable roxy's my favorite song obviously as well that's another one yeah yeah so all right uh any one of yours uh i think i think my last one i'm gonna go for silence of the lambs okay yeah i think uh i mean it's a it's a great film yeah and i think um you know jodie foster's yeah and yeah jodie foster is you know amazing in this film Mm. uh yeah so she's kind of like fresh out of the fbi academy she's like really brilliant at what she does and um you know, she's basically been brought on board to help profile uh, a serial killer. So mm-hmm. she's kind of tasked with going into this, um, you know, uh, sort of asylum, high security prison for like the criminally insane. <laughs> so she can interview Hannibal Lecter and get his yep. thoughts. Because they think that, you know, he might know how to identify and catch this serial killer. Yeah. called Buffalo Bill mm-hmm. uh, so yeah no it's just like again it's one of those films I keep saying it they just don't make anymore mm-hmm. uh, you know good old sort of crime thrillers and really kind of clever you know big budget um, thrillers like that yeah uh, so there's a lot of psychological tension between her and uh, Hannibal Lecter so he's sort of really kind of trying to manipulate her. And, uh, you know, he's playing on the fact that she's quite young and naive to what the job entails. But at the same time, she's trying her best because she's quite clever as well. Yeah. She's trying her best not to be manipulated too much by him. Mm. And during those kind of interactions, which are only kind of minor parts in the whole film, really, because he's not in it that much. Um all told i think he's got like 15 minutes of um 15 20 minutes of screen yeah, time yeah, yeah. but those kind of scenes are so kind of intimate and intense 
and so well made uh, that they kind of really stand out. And then you, mm. they're slowly forming this connection. And there's almost like a strange trust between them. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but you know, he kind he, of gets his way to get into a slightly less secure prison where he can have a view. And then do you think the he actually likes her as well? Yeah, he kind of likes her because um, it's difficult to say why he likes her. Hmm. I think partly because she is clever. Not in a nasty way. He's clearly not interested yeah. in killing her or anything. No. <laughs> But he, he finds, uh, I think he finds her really interesting to analyse as well, which is part of it. Because yeah. he used to be a, you know, he used to be a, doc, a doctor. A oh, okay. I never knew that. Okay. Yeah, he used to be a, a shrink, basically, and he used to help out the FBI himself. Oh, okay. Uh, and before they realised that he was actually a serial killer as mm. well. <laughs> so, yeah, so... It's just really the relationship between them is really interesting. And then mm. at the same time, the whole thing about her hunting down this serial killer. Um, and they go into a lot of detail about, you know, forensics and things like that. Mm. that uh, you know, you, you didn't really see a lot of at the time. In no. Terms like, so the way she kind of works through identifying this, this killer is uh really well written yeah and then throughout Jodie Foster uh she's got these problems that she's had since childhood these kind of memories that really affect her Mm. and uh I just think it's really kind of it's really engaging psychologically really interesting her character Mm. and the arc she goes through and then it obviously at the end when she actually finds out where Buffalo Bill is. She kind of it's this whole thing where she opens he opens the door to her. She's sort of, you know, she's in the right kind of area. She's not sure this is the place, but she kind of she's gonna knock on this door and see this guy to ask him a few questions. Yeah. But as soon as he answers the door and lets her in, she knows that this is the the place and she has to sort of keep on a front. So she doesn't want to reveal that she knows that, you know, he's the killer. Uh, it's just a really great scene towards mm. the end where she realizes that you know she's in a lot of danger because she's gone there alone. Yeah, and it's in yeah. the dark, isn't it? It's yeah, really scary. He switches, yeah, he switches off all the lights and it's in the dark. <clears throat> yeah, no, it's a really great film. It's like one of the last really great films in sort of recent-ish years. It won Best Picture at the Oscars, and you think yeah, there aren't been any horror uh, films that managed to do that? No, not really. I think it, you know, it won, won quite a lot. a lot of Oscars. Yeah, hmm. uh, Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster, I think, both won Oscars as well. Did he win um, for Best Supporting role? I guess, and she won. I have a feeling he won for Best Actor, which was a little bit contentious because of he was only in it for a short time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But, I mean, um, you know, no, it's a really great film. Yeah. Did she win Best Actress or Support? Yeah, I, I think she did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Actress, yeah. Yeah. So she's very good in that film as well. I mean, to be honest, I'm too scared to watch it. But, <laughs> but I know and I've heard and I've seen bits of it. And and even she's she's gone down on record on saying she was terrified of him filming those scenes. Yeah. 
because she only ever filmed through a glass. That's the only time she saw him. She never actually yeah. met him. Met him. She was too scared. <laughs> <laughs> he's actually a lovely man, but do you know what I mean? He it, is. Yeah, yeah. But um, I mean, he's well in his eighties now. But I mean, he's an amazing actor. You don't have to, <laughs> you know, um, you know, talk about that because everyone knows. They can tell. Um, but yeah, for sure. No, that was one of those films that I think set the bar really high. Um, and you never really saw a female character like that, did you? At that time, no, not particularly. No, and not portrayed in kind of like a that's you know, enough a male character. You know, yeah, FBI agent and very intelligent. Yeah, Man so that was quite yeah, a new yeah. Thing, yeah, yeah, sure. All right then, um, I've got one more. And I think we should finish it there, should we? And I know we'll probably have lots to talk about this one. Um, but I'll hate myself if we don't bring it up. We have to bring it up. Ripley. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was tempted to bring it up because I think we, we have spoken it about briefly, it. Yeah. But uh, we need to yeah. talk about it. <laughs> so why Ripley? I mean, you can help me out with this one. So it can be both of yeah. us to finish off on so why Ripley so Ripley was originally meant to be written for a man was it do we know who it was originally meant to be for uh I don't think they'd cast it but the the character was a man okay uh and then they I think I don't know if they rewrote it first or whether they rewrote it because of Sigourney Weaver uh possibly because of Sigourney Weaver just really stood out and I think they rewrote it uh, to be a female character, but they they basically didn't change anything on it. So did uh, she did she audition for it, or did they just sort of hear about her or know about her and thought they she they might have heard for her, or maybe she auditioned for the the other female role. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think basically the the role itself didn't change, so. They kept the dialogue pretty much the same and then just changed the pronouns for yeah. anyone else referring to her. Um, which I think that in, in that sense, it makes it an interesting role because they don't kind of, you know, fem overly feminise the role. No. And kind of, you know, suddenly... Because, the you know, back then as well, with the tendency would have been maybe to make her less proactive and more reactive. Yeah. So it might, you know, it, Instead of, you know, being kind of active and, you know, identifying a problem and going for it, you know, the way they used to write it is that the female character would always have to ask a male character, what's going on, what's happening? Yeah. Whereas you know, Ripley was written, probably, possibly because it was still written as a man. Yeah, yeah. Originally, that, you know, Ripley would take action and kind of lead the way. Well, she becomes and kind of like the captain, yeah. I guess, doesn't she? After yeah. After everyone gets killed off or whatever. Yeah. But I think because it was a cast of quite, they weren't, there wasn't a, like an A-list star in it at the time in the first Alien. Mm. And, uh, you know, there was well-known character actors, but not really a kind of standout A-lister. No. Uh, and so what it was, was the film ended up being quite unpredictable. So people would go in not knowing anything about the film and they wouldn't be able to know who would be the one that survives yeah. at the end of the film. Uh, obviously, in, in the end, it ends up being Sigourney Weaver and Ripley that survive at the end of the film. But no, it's a really good film. 
um, really tense and really kind of uh, claustrophobic. Yeah, yeah. But I think, you know, Ripley is such a strong character. And I think what they did, what James Cameron did in Aliens was kind of develop that even more and then bring the feminine elements to it. So yeah. the idea of being a mother was very strong in that film. Yeah. yeah. To kind of be a surrogate mother to this kid that they find uh, on this space station. A Newt? Yeah, Newt. Yeah, so... Uh, it was not Aliens. Yeah, Aliens. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Was, yeah, so obviously that's where James Cameron sort of developed the character even more. Yeah. Right? So because he makes her a mother, that kind of brings the more feminine elements to it. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. Because she's very kind of... In the... In the um... In the first one, she's very. Ma- I mean, it's it kind of comes across that they really put her through hell, don't they? Yeah. In the first one, she's really very much that that she's got to be the man. She can't have any emotion. She's got to be like, you know, bang yeah. on kind of thing. So they, they, she literally goes through hell, doesn't she? And then the second one, and I, and it's on that Netflix thing we talked about. You have to watch it. You know, the movies because yeah. they concentrate on aliens. And um, James Cameron had a very strong mum, mother, who was very supportive and like, um, you know, like, you know, very much like behind him on what he wants to do. Whereas the, the father was, but uh, but not as yeah. much. He wanted him to take the safer route and do something else. And so his mum was a very strong fe- uh, female uh, role model in his life. So he decided to bring on the... Um, the, the the alien queen was it the queen <laughs> the, yeah, the, the alien new one queen, yeah. so 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 that's that's a woman and then you got this other woman so the other woman's now looking after this little girl so she's kind of like the mother figure and you got and they explain this in the film you got basically these two mothers fighting to get you know to eternity yeah. and and you think about it they would fight like a, for their child, wouldn't they? So, so yeah. it's head to head with these incredibly strong women, and it's literally that's going to cause a lot of drama. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's he's very clever yeah. at doing that, even though he's well known for being very difficult to work with. <laughs> and and that shoot, exactly, they talk about yeah. it being yeah. very difficult to work. And we talked about this how he hated the tea breaks. And he hated yeah. the, the the poor old lady who came on with the tea truck <laughs> and bashed <laughs> it up and everything. Apparently, um, yeah. But yeah. So um, no, she was very well known for that. And that that was the first one came out in nineteen seventy nine or was made then. Yeah. And at that era, you would have definitely not ever seen a female. Well just in general a protagonist especially like that um at that time would you uh not in, not so much in that kind of film really so no no or that genre yeah. she, she wasn't taking the male yeah. part yeah yeah so i think um it's just very interesting role yeah yeah, yeah for sure and, uh obviously the, the the two film the first two films are just classics I think she's the one that kind of amazing, yeah. set the way for all of those films, wasn't she? Yeah. I mean, it's because of her that kind of... Those uh, roles. Yeah, those kind of roles became a bit more popular. And, like, uh, 
in Hollywood took more notice. Yeah, James Cameron kind of he sort of changed Sarah Connor. Oh um, yes, in we the Terminator film. So from Terminator Two, you know, she becomes a lot stronger. She becomes more a lot more even in the vein of Ripley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First film. Okay, let's quickly talk about Terminator Two because that you just yeah we can't talk yeah. we leave the show okay. without not talking about Sarah Connor. Go on then, say you, that can be your film. So talk about Sarah Connor and then we'll finish there. So that leads on yep. to one James okay. Cameron film from a very strong female character onto yeah. So in the first film, she's kind of like this. Uh, she's very know, naive, isn't she? Young naive waitress that yeah. gets thrust this kind of world saving completely terrifying scenario and it's a bit more of a horror film more intense she's very she's sweet isn't she yeah she's quite sweet and she's playing like the final girl so yeah. she does find a lot of strength by the end of the film hmm. whereas when you see her at the start of the second film when you first see her she's been locked away in a mental asylum and she's kind of been working on her body becoming very kind of masculine and she's strongly. very rich in that film yeah. But she's still really driven by this kind of obsession yeah, yeah, yeah. of ending the war, the future war that's not even happened yet. Mm. And also that protectiveness of being a mother. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, she's even really... though it's yeah Sorry. similar to Ripley, it Hi, still Dad. kind of feels unique. Hi, Lily. Yeah. Okay. Okay, in a minute, yeah. I'll be saying? down in a minute. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> she, what's she talking about? Uh, she wants me to have a look at some uh, something on Netflix. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's finish up. <laughs> yeah. Not Terminator 2, I might add. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't want Terminator 2. She'd be too scared. Yeah. No, um, but I mean, Terminator 2 is a really great action film and then she's kind of like the the driving force. I think that's what's interesting about the first two films is, you know, she's a female protagonist and she's really kind of like, you know, she she's the hero of the film. She kind of drives everything. Well, she's very um, naive in the first one, isn't she? And she's yeah. really kind of sweet and... You know, she has no idea what's going on. She doesn't know what's going on. She just no. knows that all also all these Sarah Connors are being hunted down for no reason. She has no idea what's yeah. going on, and she thinks that Reese is the one that's about to kill her. But actually, he's he doesn't know who she is, or, or no, no, he yeah, does so know he who she the, is. Yeah, but he's trying to but figure he's out. To, yeah, wait to identify Arnie. Yeah, yeah, because he doesn't yeah. know who they've sent. The machines have sent to kill her. Yeah. Um, but- so she's very much like, who are you? Like, what, don't, don't kill me kind of thing. So, and then at the end, it kind of finishes with, you know, the way it does. Um, yeah. Is that, you're terminated. Oh, see that yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're terminated, Effa. <laughs> Ducker. <laughs> yeah. Just to be polite for our family audience. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, Effa. Anyway, so, and then the second one, she's so ripped in that film. And apparently that yeah. film, she, like, gave birth to her child probably a couple months before or something. Insane. I and, think, yeah, yeah. And did, um, yeah. she got in incredible shape. And you can tell she's got absolutely no 
body fat on her whatsoever. Um, and even Arnold Schwarzenegger was kind of taken away with her, you know, her 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 body yeah. change. Um, but then she obviously had to be as well because also Sarah Connor, like you said in that film, is it's a complete transition from the first one, isn't it? Because the second one, yeah, she's ruthless, like absolutely ruthless. She'll kill anyone that gets in her way because that's the way she's had to learn to survive, isn't it? So in order to protect her and her son and, you, you know, because she doesn't know who's out to get her. So she's become yeah. from very naive to being incredibly ruthless, incredibly gung-ho and yeah, just like, you know, she just goes for it, doesn't she? She, she won't she let does, anyone yeah. get in her way. And, um, I think, yeah, Linda Hamilton so plays that so well. She's really Because good she's film. essentially, she's got to kind of convey that 10-year gap between the two films. Yeah. So she's got to convey what's been happening and, you know, how she's kind of transitioned to this point. So she kind of wears that in, on her face. Yeah. Just being kind of so weathered and beaten down by the whole thing. She's very good, isn't she? Like you said, because yeah. it's a complete transition. It's It's quite amazing how she's gone from this to this <laughs> do you know what I mean <laughs> but then you yeah. think about it over the course of anyone's life or over 10 years I mean I don't want to say it's about all people because there's a lot of people that don't <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> but uh, generally speaking you know like in any rational sane person um most people change and for the better so yeah it's quite and it does make you think but then you know where why she's become the way she has, don't you? Because of the first one, so you, that's kind of like her past. And then Terminator Two is kind of like her present, I guess, isn't it? Because you, you can understand yeah. what's happened from then to ten years later when she's in this mental institute. And she's not. There's nothing wrong with her, by the way. They just all think she is, and then she plays yeah. up to it, doesn't she? Yeah, she ends up playing up to it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, no, she's that I think Ripley probably definitely sparked off, yeah, Sarah O'Connor. And then they've done like sequels about Sarah O'Connor, especially, haven't they? And things like that. So, yeah, so, um, yeah, for sure. And actually, you think about it, John, uh, John Connor, I mean, he wouldn't be who he was in the future, you know, was he military? resistance yeah kind of like leader of the resistance yeah yeah if it hadn't been for his mother and that's kind of like an interesting reflection on James Cameron and the relationship with his mother because clearly his mother's a very strong minded woman as well do you know what I mean yeah yeah exactly yes so so that's a very yeah interesting take on it ah good talk good call Tom <laughs> <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Terminator one or two in Sarah Connor? Uh, no, I think we've covered that. I think they've pretty much done. Yeah. Should we do a quick fire round of any films that we don't really want to talk about because we don't want to go on anymore, but we'll just quickly <laughs> name a few. We can just name off the top of our head, like our famous. Uh, Doesn't have to be females. Do you want to... Yeah, do you want to try, try one? Uh, yeah, you go first. I tell you what, don't make it female protagonist, like female leads. Just do like any film that you remember an actress sort of really standing out. 
doesn't have to be a female lead. Can be okay. Um, can we talk about Emma? Uh, not Emma. Sense and sensibility. <laughs> uh, yeah, if you want, yeah. Well, just quickly, we just quickly say yeah. I like the way they bow. <laughs> <laughs> I really wish people would do that. Why don't people they do that be, anymore? Yeah. 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 Open doors for yeah. ladies and things like that. And when you when you greet, you know, someone, the men bow and the ladies curtsy. <laughs> 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 I really wish people would do that. So yeah, that's another one. That's a nice one. That's a very much that's a chick flick probably, I reckon. <laughs> well, <laughs> wait, give one that you um like that's kind of like, you know, your best female. Ooh, that's, Doesn't that's have to different. be female lead or anything just name some i think we've pretty much covered all of them really i think we've covered uh yeah most yeah are there any chinese films which centered around not really uh i mean i guess you know yeah your aunt maggie she did yeah, a maggie. few yeah yeah, yeah. um fei 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 wong fei wong yeah in chunking express yeah yeah so yeah, I, I, yeah, I really liked her in, in that one. Mm. I think we pretty much covered it, haven't we? <laughs> I think. Can I quickly say, because we talked about Meryl Streep, I remember another yeah. film where she's strong in, but not to the extent where she is in River World. She's, and if I don't mention it, I'm going to hate myself. You know, have you seen the film Sophie's Choice? Oh, God. I haven't seen it, but I mean... You know, I know the kind of it's gut wrenching. Like yeah. that, that it's like, one of those I've never, I've never kind of found the right moment to. No, get it's into not it. an easy film to watch. Yeah. Basically, she plays like a, a an ex Holocaust. You know, she's a Jew and she's been put in this horrendous. Yeah, and she's been forced at one point in the film to decide who to keep and who to be taken away out of her children to get killed. And, you know, there's that scene where she says on the spot, her daughter, but she doesn't know what she's saying. She's just saying anything. Um, yeah. And you just think, oh, can you imagine as a parent? I mean, you're a parent. Can you imagine doing yeah. that? You had two children, like, and you had to choose. I mean, it'd just be horrible, yeah. So that's another kind of sort of strong, isn't it? I mean, and also that's yeah. centred around her because it's called Sophie's Choice. So she makes, she has to make quite a, lot of difficult choices in that film but that's the one everyone knows her for that you know that's that that's the main purpose of that film is that that's the the biggest choice she's had to do uh, and it's just yeah just awful it just really like leaves you traumatized <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah any other ones you want to mention we don't have to talk about uh, it just no i think i've i've mentioned most yeah. I can think of off the top of my head, yeah. And um I mean I can think of one, but we've spoken about it like a couple of times, so we don't need to talk about it. But if I don't name her, I'll get annoyed. And she was very much a female lead in um uh, uh Francis McDonald in Fargo. Yeah. Oh she's brilliant, yeah. So she's brilliant in everything. She's really good. But we've spoken yeah. about her in in the yeah, I've done, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, Fargo a couple of times yeah 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 but she very much carries the film from beginning to end doesn't she yeah yeah whereas all the other people are kind of like little bits like the the sort of side stories like her there's her and her husband and then there's 
Steve Buscemi, Buscemi and <laughs> the wacko guy. And, you know, yeah. there's all these other bits going on. But she's the one that kind of carries it through the whole film, doesn't she? Yeah, I mean, she just does, yeah, she does a great job, as, yeah. as always. Yeah, and she's been in, like we said, we've spoken about this, she's been in quite a lot of their films um, as the female main yeah. lead. Yeah. What was the recent one she did as a travelling? Uh, uh, Nomadland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, a very, that's very much the film, kind of film that centres around her as the, you know, the main person to carry the entire duration of the film as well, so. So so yeah, I think we've pretty much covered everything, haven't we? <laughs> so I yeah, think no, we've I think we, we covered a good good deal today. Yeah. So all right, well let's end it there. Um anything else you want to say? Uh no, I think yeah, that was, I enjoyed it. Good episode today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well I'll give someone all Lots of people, things to do. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've, given, we've given them plenty of ideas. So yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, yeah, so for sure. All right, then. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you. Good and, to be uh, on again. Thank you, and say hello to Lulu and your wife for me. I will do, yeah. <laughs> oh, I love Lulu's little interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> they make it okay. great. Okay, I'll go sort out her, her TV show thing. Go on in and, and her dinner. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, lovely. Okay. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye.